What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Today, I have Aaron of Welcome Home Vintage. Real OG in the game. Today's episode is an OG episode. He started selling vintage in the 90s. He even had a vintage store in the 90s in Eugene, Oregon. Currently resides in Portland. He has been selling on eBay for over 20 years. And I think his account that he's currently on, he said he had 60,000 sales on. That's a lot of items sold on eBay. We get into lots of eBay talks, um, lots of talks about the business in general. OG stuff. It's a good one. So get stoked, okay? Before we jump into this episode, I want to give a shout out to some of the new and existing Patreon members, okay, guys? You should go follow every single one of these people, and thank you for being legends and supporting this show because it means a lot that your support is how I can actually continue to do this. So go follow at Again Garments, follow at True Heart Vintage, follow at Aaron Stardust, and at Sound Plus Vintage Dry Goods. Everybody else who supports the Patreon, um, I appreciate you guys. It means the world to me. If you want to support the Patreon, go click the link down below. And without further ado, we're just going to jump right into this episode. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you for hopping on with me. Absolutely. So you've been in this for a long, long time before me, like we were talking off camera and you're saying probably from the same era, but like my real, I grew up in it, but my real jump into like the business of it wasn't until like early 2000s, probably. So, you know, we want to know like how you, how you got started. How did vintage become a thing for you and like how you started selling? So I tell you, it's like this. Um, I met this dude, my buddy Forrest, and he was like, Hey man, like have you ever been to like thrift stores just to find cool stuff, like shirts or whatnot? I'm like, not really. And he's like, well, let's just go to these thrift stores and I'm looking for these crazy 70s shirts. And that was kind of how it started. Right. You know, and then one thing led to another and I was going to this vintage shop in Eugene, Oregon, where I, where I was living at the time. And this lady that owned the shop, you know, she was like, hey, when you're out there hitting these shops, if you find stuff that doesn't fit you and I can sell it at my store, I'll pay, for, I'll pay more. That was it. Like, off and running. Like, literally, that, that's as simple as that. Simple so, like, that. What, what year was this? What year's 96, 97? And like, you're yeah, hoping... I got, I, you know, we just really wanted to older. like wear the shit. It wasn't for selling. Yeah, at we're first. all about the Da Vinci shirts, the Mister California's, you know, like that kind of era of vintage. And he had no interest in the business. He was just like thought the shirts were cool. And like for me, like I, I agree with them. But then 
there was something about the, what this woman said to me, you know, like I'll pay more and like you could make money. And I was like, okay, like, I like that. Like, so I just, I was it, man. I was it. <laughs> yeah, totally. So you started hitting all these stores and buying her greatest stuff and just bringing well, bag you know, to in her. Those and days, it was like, you know, there was no eBay. There was not even an internet really. So it was like, if, if I could buy it for three bucks, four bucks, and she'd sell, give me 12 or 15, that was like a win, you know? So that's how I learned. That's how I came up. You know, I wasn't really making any money, but, um, you know, I was like, I was making some money, but not really, but I was learning was what I was doing, you know? Yeah. Was, was she teaching you? Was she kind of like, um, yeah, but you like in? about like, you know, suits, slacks, dress shirts. I mean, she didn't know anything about the Japanese market. I mean, that all came later, but I learned about like, you know, this is gabardine. This is, you know, silk. This is that kind of stuff. That's what I learned first off. Yeah. So what, where did it go from there? How did you, were you working um, other jobs at this time? I worked at, I've only had one job, like, like literally one job. And that was working in a place called Mozzie's in Eugene, a pizza place. Uh, I was like the prep cook, pizza cook, dishwasher. And then I was doing the vintage thing on the side. And then once I went full blast in the vintage thing, I was there. I put in my two weeks and I haven't had a, a, a real like job since then. That's well, a pretty I've good, never had a a job pretty good record, man. I've never had a job interview. That's a, that, that's a fact. I swear so to God, I've never had it's, it. It's safe to say you have no, no current resume. Oh no, I'm not even employable. Dog. Like <laughs> if I put an resume in there, like, you haven't worked for like three decades. <laughs> That's I'm amazing. Like, I'm not, That's an I'm accolade. Not employable. I'm not employable. Unless yeah. I'm in the vintage business, you know? So not many people can claim that, dude. I've I've gone through a lot more jobs than you. I figured coming up around like your dad in the business, you would have just jumped right in, but you like had a bunch of other jobs. Oh, yeah, because I, I didn't want I don't know if I ever really w- thought I would want to oh, be in it you in and the your beginning. You, you're like, we don't know if we want this for us. Okay, I got you. Well, he I didn't can see that. He was like, you should be a lawyer. You should be a doctor. That was, oh, you know, yeah. that's don't what every be in the rag business. This, shit's, <laughs> this is lame. This is terrible. Don't do this, right? <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't wish this upon my, my offspring. Right. This is hard work. You know, this is hard work. I got you. Okay. But I just, so I worked like, you know, same as you, hospitality, restaurants, all kinds of bullshit. But then until I Restaurant work, the easiest in. to get into. And, all, you know, all my buddies like worked at the same restaurant and, you know, you got free food and like, yeah, smoke weed and your breaks. I mean, it was, you know, as, as, as a young guy, it was awesome. You know what I mean? It was like, a, it was a great job. So how long did it take you to, to the, to get to this jump full yeah. end point? And like, what and was that? The full end point was, so the lady that pulled me in, like, you know, buy stuff. She had this little bit in shopping, Eugene, her name's Savon. And like, we're not in contact, but I know she's still around anyways. She hit me up with this dude in LA um, that like, you know, was a player in the business. And then she's like, this guy buys jeans. He buys all this different stuff. And so I hit him up and he's like, okay, here's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for Nike. I'm looking for Levi's. I'm looking for all this different things. So the first time I hooked up with him, I kind of just bought what he's, I didn't even know what he was looking for. Right. So I just bought what he, what he said to buy. And I had like a pinwheel Nike, uh, windbreaker top and bottom with the pinwheel tag that i got like for you know nothing 50 cents and he's like i'm gonna give you a hundred dollars 
for this. So at the time, I was like, boom. That was it. Hell you know, that was, yeah. I mean, I'm telling you, it was like that one moment. And I was like, okay, so there's something to this. And this was like 95, 96. I mean, we're talking a long time ago. And that same set today is, you know, probably like five, six hundred bucks. But um, at the time, it was a lot of dough. And like that kind of, I think that just started, I just sparked her, dude. That just set me off on this path. So this person was sort of middling it to the Japanese now, market. He, so his name is Ben Baskins. I don't know if you ever heard of Ben Baskins. He was in the game way early. He got out of the game and like, we're still friends. He was a player early, early, like, you know, early 90s Rose Bowl white guy, American guy, but somehow had a partnership in Japan. So he like had a, a part ownership in a, in a store so he could pay those Japanese prices, you know. And I'm yeah, sure he totally. paid me on a lot of stuff, but he also schooled me up on all stuff. So I'm not mad at him. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, I mean, if he pays you a hundred bucks for something you had no idea about, and he that's that's no, he educa- didn't education. Said it's nothing, right? He just don't, but literally that one piece, I remember it so vividly, just being like, Oh, okay, there's something to this, right? That was like really kind of where it like where where it went off. So when else was on his list at the time? You know, I mean, of course, Levi's, you know, 501s, um, Nike. In those days, Nike was so big, but then, like, you wanted sweatshirts, you wanted Japan. Like, a lot of the same stuff we buy today, but the main focus was used Levi's and um, vintage Nike stuff. You know, yeah. sneakers, T-shirts, sweatshirts, and windbreakers. Windbreakers don't, don't do shit anymore, but in those days, the windbreakers were everything. You know yeah, I mean? we're the talking the 80s, like the Wind Runners and that vibe, right? Yeah, but even like the, yeah, the, the, exactly the 70s, 80s, two tone windbreakers, that was what they wanted at that time. You know, so any size, any color, any condition, you could sell them all day. And they were heavily buying Jordans too, right? Yeah, but they wanted, I was more focused on the waffles because I lived in Eugene at the time, which is where Nike started. So I was like running these ads in the paper. I was like putting no like way. flyers up. No, no, I was, I was like ads in the paper, flyers up on the running, like on on trees running trail. And I'd do, I'd be putting flyers in people's like uh, on on their on their dash, like with the like under the windshield wipers. And I was getting calls, dude. I was like scooping scooping stuff up all the time that way because no one was doing anything like that. Yeah, that's fucking crazy. crazy, dude. So yeah, dude. Nike's there. This is the beginning of the vintage boom. Like that that yeah, era was when the, the Japan market started starting. Yeah, they hadn't seen all the they hadn't seen all the, the they didn't know. They're like, oh, I got all that stuff. Yeah, you know I mean it was it was I was getting a lot of good calls. A lot of good calls. That's uh that's a good sourcing tip. Just put uh, put some ads out and see who calls you. And people are probably going like I've been working for Nike for 10, 15 years, 20 or years. This shit's sitting in my basement. Athletics West runners or like you know, I I I bought from famous people. I probably don't even remember their names. They were like, you know, not Prefontaine famous, but they were like on on the Athletics West team, like probably had like, you know, silver gold medals. To me, I was just like, what's up? You know, I, I, I'm trying to get those t-shirts and I don't care who you are. But they were probably <laughs> like famous. They were probably famous as runners, man. In fact, yeah. here's, a, here's a fun fact. Craig Virgin, you know who that is? No, you know, Craig Burge, he's a famous runner. He he wore the first pair of international uh, Nike shoes in our international competition. He brought those into my shop at one time 
and tried to sell them to me. And this was before eBay, before the internet. And all he wanted was a thousand dollars. And I was like, I'm like 18 years old. I'm like, that's too much money. I, don't, I my guys, there's spikes. I can't sell that. Those shoes are in like multiple books. They're probably worth like 25 grand now. But at the time, I didn't know what that was. And he would have let them go for a thousand bucks, but I, just, I did to pass. Yeah. Fuck. Right. This is crazy. You never man. know, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So what what were some of the prices back then? Like, what would you get for sneakers or a good pair of waffles? So or... let's see. Um, they broke it down to like, you had the red and gray label, the blue label, and the, what was called the orange label, which is the white and orange label. So like on the, on the windbreakers, it would have been like 75 for the orange, 50 for the blue and like 25 for the, the red and the red and gray. Right. But yo, in those days, like I could come up on like 10 of those a day. You know what I mean? Like they were like all over the place at the thrift stores. So that was like a pretty lucrative, you know, you, you could make some good dough. And, and those prices like sound, those prices seem pretty good considering like even today's, oh, to, today's money, oh, today's no, prices, like with inflation, are, like, are, those are high ass prices. So like, and this was cash money because like, this was like Japanese guys. Um, and then if you got into the shoes... You know, it was less about the Jordans and more about the waffles and the running shoes. I mean, like the the Jordans and like the the you know the what do you call it the basketball shoes were desirable as well. But I kind of slept on those because my focus was this track seventies eighties stuff, and that's like what all the Japanese people at that time wanted, and less of the you know the 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 I don't know I guess like the you know the the uh, basketball stuff. Did you ever find those Athletic West champion sweatshirts? Um, I've had multiple of them. Um, I did have one that was like gold with like the burgundy print, the the, the rough cut print on the front, and then the rough cut print on the back. The one the one color. Yeah, I've I've had a handful of them. Price, one of them I sold, and like I, I regret like I regret selling a lot of stuff because <laughs> I don't we all back don't we all. Days, those those days it was like, oh yeah, you want to get like three fifty for a sweatshirt? That was crazy, and now then could be like a twenty five hundred dollars sweatshirt, you know? So, um, but yeah, I I, I had uh, probably three or four of those sweatshirts in different colors. Nice, because I was in Eugene was like the birthplace you know, of all that stuff. So that stuff was just around. Yeah, hundred percent. Um. I've been down there. I mean, I never went down back in those days, and I don't really, you know, back where we were, we weren't finding any of that kind of stuff, or at least a well, lot of it. wasn't up there, really. Uh, yeah. Probably wasn't um, even, like, past, like, it was mostly, like, for the universities, you know, so if you went beyond, especially for the United States, up until where you guys were in Canada, there probably wasn't a bunch of that stuff up there. Yeah. So when did you get into eBay? I want to I go deep into this uh, eBay, because you probably were on there from the, Pretty early days, right? Um, I want to think that I got my first eBay um, account in maybe like 2000 or like maybe even earlier, maybe like 1999. And the early days, me and my buddy Brendan were like selling stuff on consignment for like another dealer. And, the, and then that's kind of how I learned eBay because he was just like pumping us with all this stuff and we were doing it like for a percentage, right? So the early days were just like crank, 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 but really not making much money. And then as the years went on, like I learned like what was good, what wasn't good. 
And then I finally kind of like locked in my own thing. And I've had the same account. I don't know. I probably had the same account since 2002, 2003. I got like 30,000 plus feedbacks on there. And I probably sold on that account alone. I probably sold 65,000 items. So with all the accounts I've ever had, I would say it's easily over a hundred thousand pieces. That's crazy. Like, no exaggeration. Like that. Like like easily, maybe one hundred and fifty thousand. Why were you selling this other guy's shit and not just selling the stuff you were picking? Um, he had an unlimited supply of stuff, and me and, my, and and like I didn't really know what I was doing. So like, me and my buddy were like, "Yo, like this guy's got all this stuff, and like we're getting like I think it was thirty five percent of the sold price." but we can just sell it so fast. And so, you know, and stuff was easier to get them, but it wasn't that easy. You know I mean? It wasn't like you go back 20 years and like, it's just free. So it was still somewhat difficult to get the right stuff. And he had an unlimited supply. So we just cranked and cranked and cranked. And we were doing big numbers, you know, 20,000, 30,000, 40,000 a month. But then when you do the, the year cut of that slash the eBay fees, plus split it up between you and your partner and then all the overhead, it's actually not that much. So I did that for a couple of years and then I just, me and him both just branched out or out. And in, in the beginning too, it was a lot different than it is now. Of course, eBay has been through so many iterations of changes and shit, but oh yeah, yeah. then it was all auction, right? There wasn't even an option to do auction, all auction, nine 99, you let it rip, dude. Seven days. <laughs> so you, what you wanted to do is have it in about five, six o'clock on a Friday, because that's like eight, nine o'clock on the East Coast, right? Or like a Saturday. You didn't want it to end on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, because I don't know. There was something about like a Friday or Saturday that just somehow worked out best. At least that was my opinion. Yeah, that's funny because I've heard re- I've heard more modern takes on it. They say like a Thursday or a Sunday. Because I don't oh, know, everyone's got Friday. Theory, maybe I, the people I, are like partying. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like for me, but it had to be later in the day. Like you couldn't have it end at like eleven a.m. People are at work. You know what yeah. I mean? Or like they're or they're like so. You had to have it where people were off work or like available to get on there. Yeah, totally. And in those early days too, from what I remember, and probably you tell me your take on this, but the sell through was crazy. Like you would probably put up hundred pieces and you'd sell like ninety of them. Oh, bro, I, we would sometimes list like a hundred pieces in a day. So I, I had people working with me and we had this whole like system. And and so there'd be piles of like 50 to a hundred pieces, like, like in each pile was a day. Right. And so like each day you had to ship out like 50, hundred pieces next day, 50, hundred pieces. And so there was just this, I remember days shipping out 120 pieces in one day. That was the record. Like, which is now t- today. That would be psychotic. But in those days, you just had to just... Because when they pay me and it's sold, you have to ship, right? But now it's like when it's on a buy it now sort of deal, you might sell 20 things in a day, 30 things in a day. That's a good day. And those days, if all the listings ended at once, you might have sold, like you said, if you list 185 of them, sold. Yeah. You got to ship them all out in one day. So yeah, that totally. Was, yeah, that was, that was no joke. <laughs> That's... uh. I remember it very well. I remember, it, and it was most things would sell, and you could kind of just experiment. It was it was early, so there wasn't a lot of sellers. You could figure out what would sell, 
So what right. what what was shocking to you back then when when you started to list all this stuff and like things you maybe didn't know about that you're like holy shit this is worth crazy money I had no idea or like crazy sales that were happening or I mean it's funny cuz like when you ask me that like now it's all like old news right like all the yeah. things but I'm trying to think back like I mean, like one of the early things that like I had no knowledge on that like I realized quickly was like Kuji sweaters. And this was in the nineties with like Tupac and like Biggie, you know. So like, I'd find this Kuji sweater, like maybe at the Goodwill, and I'd put it up for auction. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll get like 40, 50 bucks. Boom, two fifty. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and it's just like a to me it was nothing, right? It was just like this corny ass sweater. Uh so that was kind of a crazy one. And I'm sure there's some other ones I'm forgetting about, but um, yeah, it's like, it's, it's, it's crazy when you put something up for auction and you're thinking like, I'd be happy to get 20 bucks. And then it goes for like 200, 100 plus. You're like, ding, ding, pay attention. You know what I mean? And so I, I know there's some other ones I'm forgetting about, but I remember the Kuji being definitely one that I, I remember being like, okay, buy all these. Yeah, Totally. It's interesting. There was obviously like more demand versus the supply in those days because there was so many less people selling it. So you have more, oh, 100%, more percentage 100%. of people looking for it. Like there's obviously more people buying vintage today, but there's also so much more people selling it. So absolutely, the sell through was just so good and it was so simple. And that, like the eBay didn't really have an algorithm. It was like you just put it up, you put a title. Someone's gonna find it and they're gonna fucking buy it. Yeah. It was very. I didn't simple. know how it worked. I mean, like we just we just cranked it. My whole theory was just like post as much stuff as possible, like physically possible. Like just, just crank as much stuff as you can. Yeah, you know? totally. Do you remember some of the other sellers back in those early beginnings of eBay? Well, I mean, you talked to my buddy, David, goodbye heart. He was, he probably didn't tell you this. He was retro dashware in those days. And nice. he was one of the first guys. This is kind of how we met. He was one of the first guys that was selling the suits. Remember how the suits were like real popular, maybe like in 2003, 2004, five, like three piece, like pinstripe, but not even really that old. They could have been like from the eighties or something. And he was like modeling them and like, no one was doing that. So he was doing like this, like slick model shit, like rocket, <laughs> like, you know, he, he had the hair. And, and like, I remember like, I'd watch him. I'm like, yo, this dude's getting like two bills, three bills for these suits that are just junk. And I just kind of became like obsessed with his listings. And that's how we met. I hit him up and I'm like, hey man, your listings are amazing. Like you seem like a cool dude. Like, let's just meet up. And that's kind of how we met. So that's, awesome. I mean, that's one, one I could think of. I mean, there were probably a bunch of others, but something about, he was like one of the, now everyone models their stuff, but he seemed to be pretty early on that, especially for a guy. I mean, women were, girls were modeling their stuff, but not a lot of guys were modeling the clothes they were selling. Yeah. It was such, it was so early in e-commerce in general, like the, be the beginning of eBay was kind of like a catalyst for a lot of e-commerce in general, other people to sell online. And I feel like that whole era was like a discovery period of everyone going like, yeah, what's going to work? How are we going to show what's it? Work? Are gonna, what's Are we going to do yeah, a fucking hanger on the wall? Are we going to do a lay flat? Are we going to model it? And then, and then people took it to the extremes. Like now you have these women who like will wear like something that's totally irrelevant and just show their boobs and you're like have you have you seen that there's a there's a there's a guy that sells military i know you, you know what i'm talking about there's a guy that sells military stuff that has like these young hot models 
that are like in like a bikini. <laughs> they have like a, a giant field jacket over top of their bikini. You're like, really, dude? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I know I for sure. the guy's name. But he's all over the place. Dude. Like, I he's hope, selling I hope he's getting great money. Come on. No, but like, here's the thing. Like, I've stopped. I'm like, oh, she looks hot. Let me stop on this. And this but it's like a men's coat. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> it's incredible, dude. <laughs> Everyone's got to have their gimmick. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I remember Jesse. We toyed with all kinds. Je- Jesse was doing it before me, and he toyed. He basically- Is that your brother? Your brother? Yeah, 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 yeah. He started mostly just selling T-shirts on eBay, and then later was doing like other vintage pieces. But it was just always T-shirts. It was like just put as much T-shirts as you can because you're getting like I think we started yeah nine ninety nine listings or something, and you'd yeah. always you know if you got twenty bucks you'd be stoked you know. And these were like you were getting them cheap, right? I mean, you probably had your dad's connection, like you're probably getting them for nothing or hitting the thrift stuff or whatever. Yeah, like we had we had connections. I mean, it wasn't like you said, it wasn't free and you had still had to dig hard, but Oh yeah, of course. It, it, there was very less discerning grades then too. You'd be like, This is an eighties t shirt with like a promotional print. It's going on eBay. This is like uh Oh yeah, you you, you, you were just like it's an old t shirt, just put it on. <laughs> just put it on like it di- didn't right, matter right. now you got to be way more picky with what you're doing i think because it's sure again the competition do you remember i remember a day when single stitch wasn't a thing if someone says that single stitch i'm like what are you talking about you know oh, what i mean as far as the, t- the t-shirt goes 100 like, that wasn't a thing single stitch was the back of the levi's pocket dude that's all it's yeah. single stitch, man. totally so like once that whole thing came out i was like what <laughs> what are you guys talking about and now I remember, do you remember who first told you about it or like asked you about it? Or I, how you even... I think, I mean, I remember it had to be home dog down in LA. I feel like, um, the dude with the round two around one, whatever, or, you know, whatever that guy's name is. I feel like that might Sean be like Weatherspoon. First... Yeah. I feel like that might've been the first guy that I, I, I maybe heard mention that. And then I started hearing other people talk about it. And I still didn't know what the hell they were talking about. And I'm still to this day mad about it. Because like, this is what I always said. All the t-shirt manufacturers did not get a memo or a letter in the mail the same damn day saying you could no longer make a t-shirt with single stitch. It has to be double stitch tomorrow. Right? So that, <laughs> totally. that, that, that whole dating process is bullshit. Like it is and then, a and then, reference point. But it's not, it, it's not 100%. Yeah. And then how, that's such a good point because how did it then like translate through the whole industry where everybody's like switching it to double? Cause it did, yeah. sure. It happened over 10 years or something that it switched. Yeah, but it's no, like, it wasn't overnight. It was over a minute. You know, like it took yeah. years. Totally. But all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's not single stitch. That's, that's trash. I just, I can't even just get that out of my face. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah, th- bro, I like, can, what are you talking about? I can remember the first time that anyone ever told me that was uh, one of my Japanese clients and we were like talking about some piece they were going to buy and they were just schooling me on some shit. And then they, they brought that up the single stitch. And I was like, Oh, how damn, long ago like, was that? Like, when was that? Uh, like not super long. Like I'm talking like, I guess now we're talking 10 years. Ago. So like it would, it's, it's yeah, long that, enough, I, I but it wasn't t- crazy. 10 long. years ago, 10 yeah. years ago was about what, when, and, and again, like I, I just was like, what are you guys even talking about? Like, I don't even, cause in, in my day, the tag was everything. You know what I mean? Like the tag told you everything you needed to know because there wasn't any reprints. There wasn't any fakes, which is all yeah. of that now. But in the old days, you either knew it was old or it wasn't old. There there was no in between. 
Yeah, that we didn't need that extra identifier at all. It was just but they the needed now because there's like ten versions of one T-shirt. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. so they kind of do need that. So, so I understand it. I just like coming up in our era or my era, whatever you want to call it. That wasn't necessary. You know, I, I've always lived by the motto, like, I need to know enough. I got to know enough to make the right decision on a garment when I find it. I don't need to yeah. know every fucking little thing about the thing because my brain's going to be full with all this knowledge that I don't particularly need to right, hold up there. Right, You know, right. and pe- people take it very deep. Like, I was talking to one of my clients recently about, like, the fake rap tees, and then he was, like, flipping it inside out, looking at, like, the... Like the the sewn over stitch on the seam on the inside, like how you far mean, it went. You mean fake like it's a, a reproduction or it's like the bodega fakes from the 90s that everybody wants? No, no, like, like a reproduction trying to oh, win, oh, trying to oh, fake so, people so over. There's like hard, hardcore fakes of like 90s or, okay, I, I haven't seen any of those. Yeah, I, I had like. a few just because I bought a couple just to like examine and see. Oh, but you um, knew they were fakes. Like you didn't I like knew they were tricky. fake. I didn't get okay. tricked on them, but I have been tricked on shirts for sure. I've been tricked. I bought a fucking fake. It's good fake... to buy them and you can look them inside and out and know what you're looking at. So you know what to yeah, look Yeah, and, and like you got to compare the two. You can't hold it all. You have to see them both side by side to understand it. You yeah. can't like yeah. know enough to, it's hard to tell if you don't see them side by side. If you've never seen the real one, the fake one's going to look real to you. You're like, oh, this has to, why would this be fake? You know what I mean? Like you don't know the difference. And if all you're going by is single stitch, you're getting duped over 100%. <laughs> Shit makes me crazy. Anyway, move on. Move on from single stitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So, um, so you know, you're still doing eBay. You said you've had this one account since 2003, which is fucking crazy. Oh, I've had a bunch of other accounts, though. A bunch of other accounts. Okay. Like but many, have you, has others. this account that you're still on ever been delisted or banned? Hell no. I've been a hundred percent like, I'm like top rated, like gold star. Like when I call eBay, like a person calls me back in 30, 30 seconds and their name is like Jeremy, like not some dude from India. Like it's like, it's like a, it's like you calling me. Like I, I take this shit so seriously. So, and I, and I maintain that like I would, so if I get a payment, it shipped that day, period. Like I don't wait till the next day. And that's how you have to do this to maintain that level. Like you have to treat it very seriously. Yeah. Good for you. Cause we have, you have had, to, you have we to. have had multiple shutdowns for multiple reasons. Mostly oh, they, for, oh, they'll, they'll, they'll fuck you. E- eBay doesn't yeah, they'll play. Fuck you. Like they will totally screw you. Yeah. They do like, like selling limits. You ever had those like, oh, well you're at your limit. You can't list more. Cause like yeah. we're, we're, we're sure you're going to. I don't know, sell a bunch of fake stuff or whatever, whatever their reasoning is. Well, yeah, I think, I, I think partly it's often because they're like, you're just not a good seller. And you're, if you do too much sales, you're going to get even worse in the rating system <laughs> right? because you can't right. handle it. I, I mean, yeah. I have a, I have a limit on the account right now. I'm not going to lie. I'll be straight up with you. Like our, our well, how eBay much account, do you guys do on there? Do you guys sell a we lot do, on there? No, we don't really. We don't. Right. Cause what so I'm, you, what you don't crank a lot of stuff on there. So that makes sense. No, I don't. But I, I, we had, a, we had periods where we did like up until about say 10, 12 years ago from that early 2000s era, we were, and that was like a big chunk that was of the, our kind business. Of the golden era of eBay was just like cranking, dude. You could get so much dumb money for stuff in those days. 
And I think really... we had, you know, we were consistently like in around the 30K a month range yeah, for like that, many, that, many that's, years. That, that's a solid month. That's a solid month. Yeah. So, and then we kind of like found other other areas to run the business and we just like let it like less, fade less away. Less fees. Less and fees. Then, yeah. And then we kind of like only would sell what we thought was really right good for, for that market. Yeah. yeah right. For the totally. Bay. Totally. But now I am kind of like relearning it because it's changed so much and I want to understand it. I want to be able to do more on there and sell. No, to, to be honest, for me, like I'm a vintage guy. I love vintage. It's my passion. But like I want to start selling like regular crap on there that like That's what doesn't sells need good to on be there, vintage. Yeah. Of course. No, absolutely. Using to sell name brand stuff. Like, I mean, like that's what sells great. You know what I mean? It's not really a vintage website. It's just like a all website. You know what I mean? So if you you need to sell whatever, that that that's what's up, I think. Yeah. So that's a good segue to something I had here, which was I want to know your top five things that you like to sell. My hands are all black. I was doing fucking bought like, piping today. Wash those shirts, dude. <laughs> um so yes, I wanna know your top five things that you love to sell. So like maybe like the easiest things that you think will sell on there. What do you love oh, to find? Um, I, so I'm a sucker for coats and jackets, right? Like leather jackets, Gore-Tex jackets, Goosetown jackets. I mean, those are always like North Face, Patagonia. You know what I mean? Like I love that stuff. That always sells. Any of those name brand, Arcteryx, Patagonia, all that, that, all that stuff sells great. Um, I love boots, like good quality boots, you know, like Danners, Red Wings, um, any of that kind of stuff's great. Um, I've learned over the years, name, brand and name makes it easy. If you have a killer t-shirt, but there's like no brand, it's just like a dope t-shirt, no one's going to find that. There's like totally. a million t-shirts. But if you've yeah. got like a specific red wing boot, specific style, specific color, specific like uh, size, someone will find that. So the more specific it is for me, I found that I have a lot better luck with. Yeah, I've been learning that lately as well. That it's it, it's a search function. Like when you yeah, there's, there's exactly. things that will sell on eBay because someone's going to be searching for it. Now, something yeah. that's going to sell in a physical store or say at a market couldn't be the most yep. random artistic folk art thing in the world but that will, print makes no sense yeah, yeah. yeah. but no one's gonna find that on ebay or probably on a, online in general if, because it's just not accessible to them and they don't know what they're looking for so you have to yeah, if, you ever, if you ever type in on ebay vintage t-shirt there's literally like a million hits so if you have some random i mean this is a little bit more specific but if you have some random t-shirt that's cool no one's gonna find it Cause it's like on page 296, you know what I mean? Like no one has the patience to go through all those pages. So it's just yeah. lost to the sea. No one's going to find it, but a yeah, store, so, they're just going through the rack and they're going to find it. Exactly. And that's, you know, for example, like that shirt, what are you going to list it as? Like vintage art, cool graphic, funky shirt. Like you, there's nothing to yeah, list yeah. it as. Yeah. You 50, got a, your 50, shirt. Yeah. yeah <laughs> your shirt's EPMD strictly business. Fucking tour shirt or whatever you want to call that rap yeah no, it, it, there's like there's the guys that have all those searches saved but if it's just like some art tea like or some maybe it's like a local something never found like literally like it's just it'll just like sit up there forever and never get purchased 
That's been so, my experience. The tip here is don't waste your fucking time on shit like that because it's just no. a wasted listing and it's a waste of I time. Pull, I pulled all my t-shirts off eBay because I've been saving them. I'm, I'm starting a retail store coming up in, in, uh, soon. And I Sick. was just getting like t-shirts t- that I knew were like $50 shirts, $75 shirts. People were giving me offers for like 15 And I'm like, pull like, it was like 250 shirts. Just all of them gone. Was the best decision I ever made. Nice. I mean, they're just in bags right now, but eventually I'll get the money that I that I want. You know. Yeah, and I've I've heard too that eBay, um, they they use your sell through rating, your sell through percentage. Which your sell through percentage is if you have a hundred hundred things on fucking eBay, you sell ten. That's a ten percent sell through. It's pretty straightforward. They use that right. metric to like pr- promote your listings, and the higher sell through rating you have the more they'll promote your listing so if you have tons of shit that's not selling you're gonna have a low sell through and you, you you'll sell less shit and yeah yep yep one trick one trick to refresh your stuff um is to so end your listings and then instead of relisting them you click sell similar which will basically bump them up with a new item number as if it's a new thing so if you have an eBay store where you have like a, I have like a thousand plus free listings a month, I'll just end hundreds of things at the end of the month and then relist, but not relist, sell similar and don't even change like the price or anything. It just bumped, it just like refreshes them as a new listing. So that's like a. Never a heard that trick. one. Never heard that's that one. Trick. I like yeah, it. No, 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 no. It, it works. Because e, the theory, too, is that eBay rewards consistency of posting. So if you have nothing yeah. to post, you could like end and sell similar and have shit yeah. go up because it they want to like know that you're posting. For, you, something you've had up for years. But it, 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 to the system, it seems like a, a brand new post. So I learned that one a while back. And as soon as I started doing that, sales went up consistently. So you should use nice. it. Or nice. whoever, whoever's watching this, use it. Come on. It's, 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 a, it's free. <laughs> That's awesome. So, did you ever have a store before? Did you have a store in Eugene back in the oh, day? Oh yeah, no, I do. I, I had a, I had a little shop in Eugene. It was called West Side Vintage, and it was actually in the West Side of Eugene, and that was in like '96, baby, which was like when the whole like Tupac West Side that was. And so <laughs> I was like, I was like, I'm in the West Side of Eugene, and the whole West Side thing is cool. Followed with West Side Vintage, and it was this tiny. I mean, we're talking like 400 square feet. I mean, tiny, tiny, tiny little job. Uh, had that for two years. Didn't make a nickel, but learned learned a ton. And I was b- best decision. It was a very good decision. So, what did you learn then? What what lessons came out I of lear- that? I learned like, um, what, what the fuck did I learn? I, le- I learned a couple of things. One, I don't want to be in a store all day. That's why I learned. And <laughs> okay. that was the most important thing. I didn't want to be in the store all day. But, you know, it's like I learned that, like, if you're going to do it, you got to do it, like, in the right location. You got to do it big. You can't just, like, do some tiny, like, little, you know, rinky-dink shit and think it's going to work. You got to go big. Because, I, you know, I mean, I don't, I paid the bills, but, like, I didn't make any money. But it, the main thing that bugged me is I was just, like, camped out in this little shop all day. And I just wanted to be out, like, hitting the shops and, like, running around buying stuff, you know? So yeah. I closed it down and... That was the main thing was like, I just want to be out buying. It's hard to be hustling when you're stuck in a store. The, and that, that's an early time, man. That was when like vintage was not 
very accepted pre, among pre eBay. Pre, I didn't even have the yeah. internet. Like I had like a I had like a a phone with a cord on it. You know what I mean? Like, like connected to the wall, dog. Like I didn't even do, I didn't even have a cell phone. Like this was early, early, early. Yeah, no, a lot of very different times. I remember there was a vintage store in my town growing up called uh fuck like blue moon it was but it was like a head shop so they sold like pipes and papers and like some uh, levi's like, and like some mixed shit bongs and shit and yeah but they also had clothes too oh that's interesting they had some clothes but it was very like hippie 70s vibes and none of us were into right. that because we were like we were like listening to grunge music and shit you know so i don't yeah, think any of my like friends Cypress ever shot like hip-hop and whatnot yeah exactly <laughs> no one was fucking shopping there so Tell us about this store now. What what's your plan here? What's the new store so, you're gonna do? So my partner and I are he's he's been in the mid century game for a long time, uh ephemera game, antique business. And so we're partnering up. We're gonna do finished clothing, furniture, like, like handbills, posters. Um, we're calling it um Yellowstone Vintage Company. And um we've got the space already. So we're looking at like early summer. Uh, we just we just got to build it out. You know, we already got like most of the merch. We got most of like the the fixtures. Um, so we're just, it's just a matter of like just doing it. You know what I mean? So you're we already in the space. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. So we've been in the, we've been in the space since uh, November. So is this where you're running online. your eBay stuff, and you're going to have yeah, both yeah, yeah. in there. You're going to have a, a front. You're going to block it off for like a back room and a front room. It's basically split in half. Like one half is retail, one half is online. And there's an upstairs where it's all storage. And then we have another offsite storage space where we take all the photos and do all the processing. And the key part about that, as you know, if you do the processing and photographing at one space and then have everything over another space, that eliminates the death pile. Because in this business, the death piles just pop up. Death pile there. There's a death pile there. You know what I mean? Like you can't get rid of them, dude. You can't get rid of them. So how so do you it, operate that? That seems super weird to me. So, I, I, so, so, so let's say let's say me and you just like went to a sale, bought a bunch of stuff. We drive it to the storage locker, take everything in the storage locker, separate it into piles, and then from there it gets photographed, and then from photograph it then gets moved back to the other space, and then it gets listed, and then it gets hung up. So, so that's, nothing, that's nothing in your operation space is ever a death pile. It's all for sale, either in the store all, or on, it's online. It's already been photographed and listed. It, yeah. It, it won't even hit the hanger or the rack until it's with those processes. So the, at the other space, the, the, the storage locker um, has got piles everywhere, as you can imagine. Like, this is really what we're in the business of, pile management. <laughs> Rather than his business, we're in pile management or pile movement. That's like yeah. really what we do, right? You just keep moving oh, shit God. around, dude. That's just so move funny. Shit around. Yeah. So yeah, my buddy came up with was that. This, was this by design then? You actually so thought by, this so out? So I'm like a total like ADD, just like pile, like madness. And my buddy is all about order. So he's like, dude, we can't have these piles. We can't have these piles. And I'm like, all right, we'll come up with a system, dude. So he came up with a system of like, we sort we we sort it all here. We photograph it all here, and then once it's ready to be listed, we move it, and then it's like everything's got like a number and it's orderly, and that's just worked out great, dude. It's I mean, so far so good. That's awesome. So no death pile. The only death pile is at the storing center, and I'm okay with that. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, the death pile is the bane of every reseller's existence. It's Everyone like, in this game, even the even the young bucks, they know all about what a death pile is. Trust me. Death if pile they don't, sucks they, your will to live. It kills your motivation. If they don't know what a death pile is, they haven't been doing this long enough. Dude, you don't pick hard enough if you don't know what a death pile is. Because you're just like, oh, I know this is something, but I just don't want to think about it right now. Lots of, that, that goes in the death pile. Or like, yeah, oh, I gotta totally. do some research on that. That goes in the death pot, right? A hundred percent. See, I'm in yeah. this smaller warehouse now. I bought a building and I'm in this smaller warehouse. It's only like 1,200 square feet. So I don't even oh, yeah. have the option anymore. I have to like, when I get stuff in, I got to process it. I can't let things sit in death piles because like my warehouse will get so bottlenecked so fast yeah, that it like forces yeah. me to deal with it. You know, it either goes to my store, we, we put it online. Or I wholesale it, or I do something with it right away, or it's like it's. So you have three pile. three avenues. You have like the retail store, the online. You have Rose Ball. Do you have a fourth avenue? Or, well, we wholesale. Uh, yeah, like basically Japanese those. Or whoever. Yeah, like I'll sell to some other local stores, some friends of mine, or I'll like do some bundle deals or whatever. I want. Sure, absolutely. So, if you're yeah. getting it cheap, yeah, why not? Yeah, I mean, we don't have a lot to wholesale anymore because. It, you know, it's harder to find good stuff. And then the retails need like quite a lot of product, you know? Yeah. You, wh- you want to get all the money. You don't want to get half the, <laughs> half the money, which all that money. Dude. Hell yeah. And the wholesale <laughs> game now has changed so much because everybody, everyone loves to call you for wholesale, but they're like, can I buy rap tees for wholesale? And you're like, no, sorry. We don't Absolutely have that. I don't do, to be honest, like I love like my Japanese clients and there are a handful of them I still deal with, but for the most part, when they come, they want your best stuff and they want a discount and you're like no like i i just stopped doing it so i I just i only take appointments from like my very best like you know i I had to just kind of ignore some and back in the day i i was like anyone that would hit me up i'd be like come on by come on by i just don't do it anymore yeah and if you're if you're pulling off say online stock it can be a huge hassle and then you can also run into like um, inventory problems because you're pulling out of online oh, stock dude, dude. and they're moving shit, they're losing shit. Multiple times a week, I'd I'd forget to pull something that a Japanese client would buy, and then they would sell it. I'm like, oh, my shop was broken into. Like I really, I got to have some kind of make up some story. <laughs> yeah, you had totally. to cancel the order, dude. And like, I just got so like I would say that was maybe the the motivating factor. So I was like, I'm just not having these dudes over anymore. Because I got so sick of having to deal with that. You've dealt, yeah. I'm guessing you've dealt with that all the Oh, 100%. And like, it's the same with the website. Like, we would have people come shop our website. Now that I'm in my town, I don't get a lot of visitors here that want to like, like the Japanese grade wholesale. I get wholesale customers yeah. just all regular stuff. But so in, in our old warehouse, that used to happen all the time. Or we would get like celebrities or rappers would want to come shopping. And they would make the biggest messes. Everything would get lost. Then it's oh, they trash, the, it, they trash it. They trash your spot. Yeah. So I'm not if really they spend enough into money, that if, they, if they drop a bunch of dough, I'd let that slide. But often they would like make a huge mess. Not the clients you're talking about, just, even the Japanese. They just make a huge mess and then they buy like four things. And I'm like, so what? You just spent four or $500 and now my space is a complete wreck? No, thank you. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not worth it for me. And you never know, even with celebrities, because half the time, celebrities think that just because they're a celebrity, they get shit for free or like at a super discount. But you're like, well, you have all the money. You're rich, dude. You're rich. Like, what are you talking about? Pay up, son. (laughs) 
It is the most annoying phenomena of celebrity stardom. They think everything's fucking free and should be handed to them. Well, because they've gotten that. I mean, like, you know, they don't pay for drinks. They don't pay for food. They don't pay for travel, right? Because everyone wants to hang out with them. But you're like, this is my business, and I and you're cool, whoever you are, but I'm not giving you the shit for free. Absolutely not. I don't care who you are. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, totally. I just, I just, it's just, you, you can't do that. So I want to hop back to eBay for a second here. Uh, yeah, no problem. I love the eBay topic. So yeah. how about, is your store Welcome Home Vintage? Yeah, that's me. Okay, so you can find them at Welcome Home Vintage. How many items yeah. do you typically stock at any point? Uh, at the most, I've had maybe 16 to 1,800 pieces up. Um, currently, I probably have around 800, but I would say on average, give or take about 1,000 pieces. Okay. And you're like, you're saying like 20 garments a day is kind of your like sweet spot or happy place to be at for yeah, sales. I mean, like a good month is 30 grand. A great month yeah. is 40 grand. A shitty month is 10 or 15. Like that. Yeah. That's, and, and that sounds like a lot of money, but like none of that, that all I had to pay for all that. You know what I mean? But that, those are just like real numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, I appreciate you telling the numbers, but it, of yeah. course, you know, that's any, a lot of people who jump into vintage don't understand business, right? And you obviously understand business after this for a long time. You pay rent, you have to buy the products, you have yep. to pay a shitload of eBay fees because they're always kind of going up or they're they're always whatever. going up. Yep. They're always going up. Um heat, phone bills, whatever the fuck you gotta, and, you gotta and deal I, with. I have a part time employee. I mean, there's 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 you know, there's like gas, electric, like the internet. I mean, you know what I mean? Now that we have this new space, we got the triple nets, you know, about triple nets. Then you get a lease on a, a commercial building. It's, it's, there's so many fees, dude. So, so many costs. Yeah. Are you now in, you're not in Eugene, you're in Portland, correct? I'm in Portland. I've been in Portland since 2000. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. So yeah, it, you know, people love to look at the numbers and I, I think there's like this misconception about business too, where people look at, People love to look at look in from the outside and make judgments and assumptions on like they must be ball and they're doing this and that, but really it's so hard to judge like what people are up to. <laughs> I mean, I'm doing I'm doing all right. I mean, like I got this cool credenza and shit. You got like, a sick map you know, this, on the wall. This, this, this is pretty dope. But I mean, like, yeah, I'm not, dude. You don't understand. I'm just joking, but yeah, I'm I'm doing fine. But I am in no way, shape, or form ball. I'm just like I'm just hustling, man. This business yeah. is tough. Just like the rest of us. I want to know about the scene in Portland because you're opening a store and I know there's a shit ton of stores there, right? There's too many stores. But <laughs> okay, there's a lot so- of, there's a lot of turdy ones. Well, I mean, there's, they're just like kids. They're like, they're just like, I found all this junk at the bins and then they just like vomit it onto a rack with like, like, you know, like, uh, my pet peeve is like hangers. They don't match. Hate that shit. And, oh, and yeah, they totally. just do like the bare minimum. They're just like, and that, and then they call that a store. So like, that's not when I'm doing. I'm do, I'm not taking it to like you know, I wouldn't say next level, but I'm gonna I want to be proud of the shop. That makes sense. Hell yeah! Because like, it's one thing just to hang shit up and like say I have a store. I'm gonna be proud of the store. So I'm hoping that I'm gonna take it to the next level. That's awesome. And my partner feels the same way, you know. So, yeah, I think that's very it's very key point, you know. And being proud of your store is subjective to everyone who has a store. But for me, I 
and redoing my store right now because I want to get re- back to retail location. Yeah, like I'm there. re revitalizing it. I guess you could say, like you know, it had it, you, it's been there for like 15 years, so it's gone through. A oh, few different so like iterations. whatever look you originally came out with, maybe you're thinking you need like a upgrade or like kind of a revamp or something. Yeah, I mean, it like just needs a coat of paint. I want to do some new branding stuff. I want a new sign up front. Like there's a lot of things that we just let slide for so long that you're like, this is so tired. Like, and I want to be able to walk in my store, like you're saying, and just be like, this is a great space. This space is inviting. It's like, this is dope. It's a vibe, you know, I'm, I'm I'm proud of this. Like, this is awesome. That's how I want to feel every day when I walk in. Not that it's the best store in the world. That's, that's a very tall order, but I want to walk in and go, I'm I'm into this like this. I'm I'm happy with what's going on in here. Does that make sense? Hell yeah! You know, I don't want to walk in and be like, oh, I guess it's fine. Like that's like <laughs> I'm, I guess it's okay. Like that's yeah. you know that's terrible. That's terrible. Yeah, and and you got to think like if you're proud of it, people will want to be there. And your the store is create like there's like you said there's so many stores in Portland. There's so many stores in Vancouver. Basically, every city now is like yeah. saturated with new stores. It, you have to create a place where people want to be that makes people happy, that they can find cool stuff, that they enjoy shopping in. Like it's about connection with people. It's sure it's about the clothes, but like they can go to 10 vintage stores. So what's your, how's Jurgis going to be? You different, have to you make know? your stand out. You have to make your stand out. And that's kind of the goal, you know? And I want it to be like dope stuff. Like I, I want high end stuff and I want mid grade stuff and I want cheap stuff. I want, Everyone to be able to find something, you know, there's going to get a $5 bin and there's going to be like $400 t-shirts. I mean, there's going to be everything in between, you know, um, I don't want like a, a museum, but I also don't want like a step up from a thrift shop. Like a lot of stores, like they go to like Bidwell bins and they just like put it on a hanger and they call yeah, it a totally. shop. <laughs> For me, it's embarrassing. Like, I just can't do that. Portland. Obviously, you say has bins, and there's a lot of new kids jumping in the game. It's just like every city, but I feel like there's Portland. Four, there's four of them. There's four. As the, there's four. Wow. Yeah, four bins. Do you frequent the bins? I don't go to them. I can't. I don't have the patience. Did like, you ever like? Just, was that was that ever part yeah, of your hustle? Yeah, I mean, I did, but but to be honest, it was never my thing. Like, I would rather go up and down the I five. And just hit every retail store, every antique store, every junk store for days until I've made my way all the way down to like Southern Oregon and then head back up and I have a car full of stuff. I'd rather do that than sit at the bins from nine to five, just like waiting for like table to come out. I just, I, just, I don't have the patience. You know, I just don't. A lot of people, yeah. and I know, I know good stuff comes out. I just never had the patience to do it. So it's yeah. never really been my focus or my my main way of of uh, getting stuff. Um, it definitely takes patience, and I imagine it's trying uh, with all the people there now. It'd probably be pretty tricky. But four is a lot for a city the size of Portland. I'm surprised. Maybe well, that's why it has so many Vancouver, stores. Which is just across the river, not Vancouver, Canada, obviously. Yeah, Vancouver, uh, uh, Washington. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I know. I live here. Um, so yeah, there's like three, there's, there's two in Portland proper, one out in Hillsboro, and then the one in, um, Vancouver and they're pretty good, dude. I mean, stuff comes up. I mean, I know people that 
lot of people make a living off of what they get out of those stores. So there's a lot of stuff coming out. I personally would rather hit estate sales. Run, I like to run ads in the paper, run ads on Craigslist. I have to get in the house. That's how I get stuff. I want to get someone's like, hey, I got all this stuff. And like, you want to come over? Like, that's how I get stuff. I don't, I don't, the bins for me, I can't, I just don't like it. Um, having a store is great for that also, because now you've opened yourself up to being like in the phone book on Google. And then you yeah. get, sometimes we'll get those calls. Like we randomly will get a call from some woman who's like, I, I'm, I'm, it's like an, a pre-estate sale thing. You want to come clean out all my clothes? I got a call. I'm going tomorrow to see a container from some guy that works in the movies that has like racks yeah. of like costume gear. I'm like, fuck that's yeah, what, I'm coming. That's what's you know? up. That's what you want. There's no pressure. You get in there, you pick at your own pace. You don't have any competition. And that that's that's how I like to buy stuff. You know, and if you have money and like you're able to have like, you know, have a conversation, like you're not like a total like introvert weirdo. Like you can like, you know, just talk to some, no, that's a lot of it. Your ability to just speak to people is a big part of it. A lot of people are just too weird. Like they, they can't, you know, have a conversation. They can't negotiate. So, you know, if you're like a normal guy and funny and, you know, and easy to deal with, that's a huge advantage. Big time. But yeah, for sure. You know, when the, there's always that talk about the yard sale, it's like when you're at a yard sale, ask them, do you have any more clothes? Cause people don't often put out they're closed at the yard sale, right? But what you're saying about negotiating and being personable is so valid because that person at the yard sale will not randomly go into their basement and pull out their t-shirts for some dickhead or some weirdo. Like you have to- Or a weirdo, yeah. Yeah, you like gotta a nice like- guy or like you seem like an okay person. They're like, you know what? We didn't think about bringing those, but tell you what, why don't you just come in here? Like we got all the plot. Like you have to, you have to diffuse them. You have to be like, I'm not a threat. I'm a nice guy. You almost like want them. They almost want you to come in. Like that's the key. You, 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 they want you to come in. Yeah. A lot of people that, just don't have that. No, it's true. That's called reading the room, you know? And I think it, 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 it's a, it's an amazing skill to have because that means you can be in any situation and understand what vibe you need to be in to make the thing work. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Cause like you could make or break it on like, how do you handle the situation? And some people are just, weird or they're up like they just they're not they're not built they're not equipped you know and so i'm okay at it i'm decent at it my partner's very good at it um he when he's like basically what we do is we go into out i look at all the clothes and and i i tell him I'm like here's what here's what we got it's it's worth this blah 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 he then goes to work and he talks to the people and he works on them and he gets the price and like we make the deal and so we work really good together but like, I just tell him like, what's up? He does everything else. It's awesome. I love it. No way. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, he doesn't know clothes. He knows furniture. Like I'm the clothes guy. So I'm like, eh, this stuff is okay, but it's not great. Or I'm like, this is insane, dude. Like this is a crazy pile. I just, I just tell him straight up, like, this is what this is. And then I just let him do his thing. And it just seems to work, man. It just seems to work out. So I was in Mexico recently on vacation and we, we met up with these guys and they took us to a market and we were, this was like a clothing, a U.S. clothing market fair thing, like every Saturday, super nice dudes. And they were taking us around and they were like, listen, like when you want to buy something, like give it to me and I'll negotiate. 
because I'm because they're like sure. they're gonna just they're gonna tax me they're because gonna, I'm, they're gonna hose you they're gonna hose you. I'm a I'm a gringo <laughs> and I yeah. uh, I tried it a few times but th- the problem was they already saw me they like saw me already so like the negotiation was fucked right away because then <laughs> they're grabbing the thing trying to get the deal but yet they're like right. no I know I know it's for the whitey over there like he's sure. getting hosed so didn't work in my but, case and so like. But like, did they actually know like market value or like what was like, I mean, are you, no, I mean, it's also able- fucking cheap anyway. Like I'm trying to, they're negotiating down on like a, a $5 T to four or $3. It wasn't like oh, a big deal. Okay. It wasn't a big it, deal. It but they, like they, they, they didn't like really know. They just knew like, oh, he has money. He's, he's a gringo from, from America or whatever. Yeah. yeah. He can pay. He can pay the $5 up to $3. Yeah. The guys I was with, they were. They're vintage heads and they, they knew what's up. They picked the market all the time and they had a shitload of stuff at their houses, like collection wise. Is this like rag stuff that they're getting down there? Like, I mean, cause it all kind of has to come from Canada or America at some point, right? Yeah. They or buy the bales. They buy, no, they buy rags, man. They buy the bales from the rag houses and they crack them down there and then they just throw them on tables and they have it like for sale for whatever their price is, you know, like. Right, right, and they and they get they get decent stuff. Well, I think I think the guys were saying that they all want to buy the grade A, so they all want to buy like only the really clean product in Mexico, just like anywhere but, where they're selling. But like, like the, the bales are often like not the grade. It's like often the stuff the thrift stores up on the deal with, right? Is that like typically how it works? Well, they're ba- they're these guys are buying bales that are after the rag house. They're not buying the ba- the bales from the thrift store. So those are like mixed bales. The guys in mexico would be buying like a bale of t-shirts but the problem is oh it's already it's, it's pre-sorted it's pre-sorted yeah yeah okay. but the bale of t-shirts that they're buying is grade a which is actually bad for vintage because like any off-color white shirt or any like little teeny flaw know. would or, get taken out so you know oh. so much of good vintage has like flaws so it's mostly or, like or new just shit. color so it's just yeah. new stuff which like that's like walking stuff, yeah. into any thrift store you're just like you can go yeah. to any goodwill here and there's hundreds of brand new t-shirts on the rack. And you don't want yeah, any of them. Exactly. <laughs> it's all it's all it's all garbage. Yeah. Okay, um, interesting. Yeah. So I guess in you know, back to the sourcing thing, it sounds like you have a good system going on, but are you getting enough currently with your methods? Like are you stocked up? Do you have enough to keep yourself going um, pretty? I so like any person in the business, and, and me and Heath constantly fight over this, I I'm always thinking that I'm going to run out of stuff. If we stop buying today and just focused on listing what we have, because we have clothing and other stuff, it's not just clothing. I would say we have enough stuff to list for three years. However, however, I will literally be online tomorrow morning, looking at estate sales, looking on Craigslist. It's like, it's, it's an addiction, man. It's an obsession. Because you're always thinking that huge hit's coming, but I don't need stuff. I mean, I don't, like I, we don't need stuff. Like seriously, don't need it. But like, I just bought like a whole pile from a guy like yesterday, and he's like, "What are we doing?" Dude? <laughs> I just like, can't, I just like, I need to be like shut. I need to be like shut down. Like, just go lay down. Go lay down. <laughs> like, That's you're, crazy you're, to think you have three years of product. So he, but but it's not just clothing. It's like he was he was buying stuff twenty years ago. His dad was in the antique business, so he's got ephemera. He's got like all this stuff, like just boxes and boxes. Like 
photos and like coins and books and like just all this stuff that I don't really know about, but I know is money. Just boxes of it, dude. Just they go on for days and days and days. So like if I just literally just like turn my phone off and stop answering all my pickers calls and stop looking, we could probably list for solid a couple of years without having to go buy. Wow. So that's a good problem to have. Yeah, totally. But I guarantee have- I'll be I'll be buying something in like a day or two. So <laughs> that's the fun part. That's the best part. You know what I'm talking about? Like you can't stop, dude. You just can't. You can't stop. None of us can. If the deal shows up, you got to take it. So, but I can tell you one thing that you can do when you know you're like, like fat with merch, you only take the good deal. When you're like scraping by, you're going to take questionable deals. But when you have a ton of stuff on backstock, you're like, eh, not right, not right. And then you just take the one where it's either a home run or you're getting a dirt cheap or you know you can flip it immediately. You know what I mean? You're not taking the questionable ones. You just pass them. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, uh, how long is it going to take you to sell it? Like, uh, is it an easy, super quick sell? Like there's all these factors you got to think about when buying deals. Like, cause just buying something cheap is not always good because cheap, no, you can have it, doesn't it forever. sell fat. Yeah. You could fucking have it forever and store keeping something for any amount of time costs money, no matter yep. what or where yep. it is, unless you, you got to move like, it, you got to put it on a hanger up an employee has to move it. There's all types of things that happen. I was thinking about this fact, this actual exact thing today. Cause, um, I bought like two or three pallets of corduroy hats, right? Blank hats. They were so cheap though, man. Like, they were like, like snapback kind of hats. Or they what? were like, yeah, they were essentially like corduroy blank snapbacks. Okay. So long ago that at the time, like nobody gave a shit about corduroy. And those they were kind of cool. I like those. Yeah. The, the right yeah. now, currently, they're like super hot and I sold the shit yeah, out of yeah. them recently, but I had them for so long and I bought them for so cheap. Uh-huh. They were like 20 cents or I think they actually were like, were like less than 10 cents a hat because it was like this Whoa. closeout that's, deal. That's like free. That's free. <laughs> I know. So I bought them. We sold a few, but then it ended up being such a slow sell that we like just put them in a storage container for like literally maybe 10 years and they sat there, uh-huh. right? Which was probably and I'm like, smart. You know, and, and when I brought them out not long ago, I got great money for them. But I was like thinking in my head, I wonder how much I invested in that fucking storage locker into these hats. And I wonder, in, even in reality, did I make money because they were sitting in a $500 storage locker, $500 a month container. And there was that, just them, there was other stuff. No, there's other shit in there. But I so mean, it's so like much- whatever percentage of space they took up, you could literally come up with like a number. Like, yeah, $134 a month, these hats took up for this many months. And that, you know what I mean? So I know exactly where you're coming with this. You might yeah, not have made it, money. You I might, might not have made much money. money. You might have lost <laughs> money on this funny. deal. And all of yet, you don't see it that way. You know, no, but you have for to look sure. at things that way. And then, it, you know, it also begs the thing like, yes, it could be valuable to put certain things away to wait for the trend to hit. But again, it's it really depends on how much space that thing is taking up and what that space is costing you. Because like and in you, my case, if you have a if you own a space that you're like like I have a house with a giant like basement, I'll just stick it in the basement and forget about it. But if you're paying a locker fee and those fees have gone up up, I'm assuming Canada's no different. The, the storage no, sure. fees here are insane. They're like they're nuts. Like it doesn't even really make sense a lot of times. Like they're just too expensive. That's the business we want to be in is owning the storage unit places because they're the Dude, ones making all the damn money. 
They don't do it, dude. The store, one storage locker we're in, it's actually an old uh, John Deere tractor factory. And, it, and like, they don't do shit. Like, there's like one guy that works the door that like can do nothing. There's been a sign on the bathroom that says out of order for like two months. And like, <laughs> do anything, dude. Luckily, like, the power works, the lights work, the, the, the elevator works. But no, they don't do anything. They're just, they're just cashing your fucking check. That's the yeah. business. That's the we're, business. We're doing it wrong. We've all been doing it wrong this whole time. Sorry to interrupt the regular programming of this podcast, but I have a special announcement. I'm here to tell you about the Fort Collins, Colorado Vintage Market. Okay, coming up March 18th, it is taking place at the Emporium Sports Bar. Over 20 vintage vendors. This is buy, sell, trade, bringing you all kinds of great, great product. Yeah, vintage clothing, vintage accessories, good vibes, craft beer. Again, this is Fort Collins, Colorado Vintage Market, March 18th, 12 to 5 at the Emporium Sports Bar. If you're in the area or you're close by, definitely go check it out. So let's talk about some, uh, some, some specific scores or like maybe digs or items you've you've had in the past okay like Um, memorable memorable sales or memorable items you've had over the years because you've obviously had lots of them well there's one of the biggest ones which i actually didn't make a lot of money on i don't know if you ever saw the photos i posted i got like 1500 pairs of dead stock converse like all 80s 90s from like a shop down in Eugene. Wow. It, it, it filled up a whole cargo van from like floor to ceiling all the way back. Um, so that was huge. But I overpaid and like, you know, the money wasn't, but like the, 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 the rush and like the feeling, it was worth it. You know what I mean? It was worth <laughs> it. I mean, it was just yeah. like, I mean, I was hauling up like, you know, piles of shoes all in the box like that and that was that was pretty good you know how did that how did that go down did you randomly Um, walk in the store it was a skate shop in eugene that i used to buy my skateboards at and like i knew this guy his name was lazar it's called lazar's bazaar and i knew he had stuff because he had never you know he never got rid of anything so i knew he had stuff but i hadn't lived in eugene and forever and then a picker up in portland went there and like bought some stuff and then kind of like told me about it, but like he didn't really have the money. So like, I kind of like, it was like, Hey man, if you just tell me what this pick is, I'll go in and like, you know, I'll chip you out. So he told me what it was. And I was like, Oh shit, that's Lazar. So I went down there and then, you know, over the, it took about four or five days and we worked it out. And like, it was all in this basement and me and my, me and Heath had to come up and it was like, you know, like carry about 20 pairs at a time. It took like, it took all day to get all those pairs up there. Um, but you That's know, awesome. it was one of those deals where like, if I was to hold out and sell them all individually online, I would have, you know, made out, but it would take a couple of years, but I didn't just wholesale them to one guy or a couple of guys. And, you know, I made some money. I made all right money, but I just, it was just too much to deal with. Cause there were just so many repeat pairs. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. 40 pairs of the same size, the same color. And that takes forever. You know what I mean? Yeah. So 
this guy had no skateboards, no leftover skate clothes no. or shoes. He'd been run through before by Japanese, so he had stuff, but the skateboards were all gone. The skate tees were all gone. Um, and then the, the converts have been gone through, too, because size 9 to size 10 or 11 were gone. So I got all the, like, I got, like, 9 and earlier, you know what I mean? So he'd been run through. Um, and I and I knew him well enough that, like, once he remembered me, because I used to buy all my skateboards there back when I was a kid, Um I kind of ran. I kind of ran through the pieces. I was like, "All right, you sure there's no there's no airwalks like chilling or vans and you know." And then they had all been bought. You know what I mean? But he still had cool shit. And one of the things is he was sitting on a bunch of like cool old sneakers that like uh, like British Knights. You remember British Knights? The, the blood. Yo, killers. fuck yeah! Oh uh, yeah. And then, but they were all like all the foam was toast. You know what I mean? There was a lot of stuff that had been down there so long that they like were just disintegrated. You know we I mean? made the mistake Luckily, over the years of buying shoes where the foam was toast, and you're just like, or he nah, just again, left, or he bought them. Sits in boxes, or does nothing. Made, no, no. So if you buy those shoes where the 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 foam is toast, unless it's like an Air Jordan that people are willing to, you know, swap the soles or whatever they do, the other brands they're just worthless. I mean, they're 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 just they're nothing, you know. So I passed on all that stuff. But yeah, t-shirts yeah. were gone. Um, he had some posters, but. You know, it would have been a gold mine if I got in there ten years earlier. Which, yeah, I don't know why I didn't think of it, but anyways, that was. Well, I mean, there's plenty recent... of places like that for us too. It's like we 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 took leftovers on a lot of places, but I mean, leftovers after a period can be good because you're like the things they left started to hit later. You know, too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. There's so another hit, and now that I just remembered, so this was probably late '90s. There was a Western Wear work store in Cottage Grove. And of course, the Japanese already run through it. So like, you know, no red lines, no big E's, no double X, all that shit's gone. What was left, I must have bought 500 pairs of cords, 517, 646s, 684s, all new with tag. Those Six are great. Six bucks a piece. Now, this was back before the internet. So I was maybe wholesaling them for 15 or 20. That was good money at the time. But that was yeah. like, you know, a buck, buck 50 now. So, and these were good colors, greens, purples, burgundies. I mean, and it was just like, the guy was so happy to get rid of them because for him, they were junk. They were like, oh, that shit's corny. No one buys that stuff anymore. People want like Wranglers or whatever they were selling. So that was yeah. a big one. The cords we don't even get anymore, man. It's so crazy. We used to bring Remember like how, dude, they 20, were so 30 pairs every month common. to the bowl. Yeah, they were very common. So common. And they sold. It was like a. It was like a just a middle grade like commodity. Fifteen to twenty a pop or something. Yeah. Twenty five. Yeah. And now, like we, I see like a pair, like few pairs a year, maybe. Like it's crazy. Yeah. No, they used to be. I mean, I remember the early days of, of picking just hitting the racks. I'd find a few pair a day, and then by the time my Japanese guy would show up, which is like every two months, I'd have fifty, sixty, seventy five pair. That was totally normal. Now, if I find a pair, I'm like, oh, you know what I mean? It's like a, yeah. like a you're like surprised. <laughs> you just don't so see them. What about some single items? Like any crazy, you know, denims, that denim scores over the years, um, workwear scores? I One of my best scoops, um, there's been some good ones. Um, one of my better ones, it's probably 10, 12 years ago. 
a guy in uh, um, Montana, I run ads on Craigslist, and this guy got into abandoned buildings. And this was an old guy. He wasn't like one of these young bucks. Like he wasn't calling them bandos. He was just like, <laughs> yeah, he was just like, basically what this guy did was he was like in the reclaim lumber business. So he'd like find these buildings on property and say, hey, I'll tear down that building for free, but I, I get to keep all the lumber because he'd sell the lumber. And, yeah. and then he realized he's like, I'll also, whatever's inside of them. So he hit me up and he's like, hey, I've got like a bunch of Levi's. And like, so we met in uh, Spokane. He was out in somewhere in uh, Montana. I'm in Portland. And he had bucklebacks, fucking bluebell wranglers, center patch leaves, wranglers. I mean, it was nuts, dude. I mean, it was like a car load. I mean, it was like a $20,000 load that I think I probably gave him like, you know, 4000 5000 for. So that was, and, and nothing was mint, obviously. This was all farm depression era stuff. So everything was, you know, hammered, but that was, that was a big one. You know what I mean? And then we kept yeah. doing deals. And, and then eventually, I don't know what happened to him. I, in fact, I actually think he passed away, but he, he had drug problems and he, went to jail and um but for a while there dude i mean every time he called me it was like because you just get into these old places you know what i mean and i was the guy so he just said he'd send me boxes i'd open the boxes and the first thing i'd see would be a, a buckle back and a very the good box <laughs> it's, a, it's a good box dude that's so, so rad man yeah so i miss i miss that guy i miss that guy you know god rest his soul he's passed now but for a while there, we were, we were doing some some good deals together. Yeah, that that lumber business is good too. I've done some, uh, like when I've done some renovations, I've searched out barns and stuff, and I've gone to a few places where they were just like, you could go back and like take any of the wood off the barn. So I like would do that. That, that old like, wood is better quality than a lot of the new wood. It's like smaller grain, or I don't. It's, it's just it's just better, you know what I mean, or, or has the right look or whatever. So a lot of that stuff is very desirable, for you sure. Know, I don't and, mess with it, but, but I but I know what people are after it. Yeah, and but it also has the look. It has the worn look if you're looking for like accent pieces, and you know I think because it's old growth wood, it's the older like the trees were bigger and better. Now everything we buy is Absolutely. like second, third Absolutely. farmed wood. You know, right, right. Like like the it just it's just it's harder. The, like the rings are bigger. I don't know. It's it's more desirable across the board from what I can tell. Yeah. Like everything old, right? Everything older is better. There you go. That's why we do Computer, it. Computers <laughs> are the only thing that's not better. And phones. Those two, those two suck. You know, I guess phones, I guess we wouldn't are... be talking without a computer right now, but in so many no, no, ways no, no, we can do it without computers. Try to do some old computers. setup, dude. So it'd be terrible, right? <laughs> yeah, I'd be, I'd be like, I'm going to call you on the landline and then I'm going to tape record it on my yeah. on my tape recorder here, see how that and goes, then, and then it's I'm not going to work. And then I'm about to call you back, and then we're going to have to redo <laughs> it. There's like a real real thing in the background or something. Like it's just not going to work. <laughs> oh man, good old days, good old yeah. days. Yeah, remember so the flip phones? I remember the flip. I had the first. My first cell phone was the Motorola Flip, dude. Hell yeah, I, I have a Motorola Flip. I feel like it might be in one of my desk drawers. It's like but... twenty dollars a minute, dude. Kids don't even know. Like you made a phone call, you're like, I don't know. Like, it's like twenty dollars a call, dude. My dad had like this car phone thing that was like this big box that like sat in the middle of the console, and like 
I don't even really think it worked well or they never used it. It was just like this Did gimmicky he even need thing. It? Was he like that ball on? Like he needed to be. No, I don't call. even know why. Like he wasn't. It was like, I don't think it was used very much, but it was just some stupid car phone. He just thing. had it though. That, well, I'm sure as a kid, you're like, yeah, what's up, dude? I'm like, yeah, dude. Sweet, <laughs> sweet one. And then he had, my dad always had used, um, well, not used, but I mean, it's a car. It's used, but like older Benzes. Like his thing was like driving these older, like, the diesel, like, like the like the yeah, they were, one. They were they those were are, diesels. Those yeah. are bulletproof. Those things never die, dude. They never die. Yeah, and my he dad had five hundred cool thousand miles to to an engine on those diesels, dude. It's crazy. Yeah, I run. I run a D. I mean, I run a VW diesel, one of the controversy cars, but I fucking love my diesel. Oh, and that I, was the I, one. That, that was the yeah, one that, where they like, yeah, we're getting all this gas smile or whatever. They're like, <laughs> oh, we're just kidding. We're just kidding. <laughs> we're just kidding. <laughs> It's a heavily polluting oh, yeah, car. It's actually yeah, terrible like, for the oh, environment. Oh, we're, just, we're just kidding. We're just kidding. <laughs> but then they're like, then they're like, you can hand your car back into us and get the refund. And I'm like, fuck no, I'm keeping this thing. This thing's epic. Dude. My buddy traded his in and got like a smoking deal on like a newer one. Like he, I, the traded, like they were just so embarrassed. They're like, the trade-in was like stupid. Like he got yeah. like a smoking deal. Yeah, but I was. I was commuting at the time and I'm like, there's no car you're going to give me that's better on gas than this thing. And they still offered like a, probably like a five or $6,000 rebate and I got to keep the car. So I was like, okay, no shit. I'll, I'll take it gets, that. It gets good gas mileage. Yeah. It's great. So this day, I, I think the thing was, the, it, the thing wasn't that it didn't get good gas mileage. The thing was that they said the emissions were way lower than it was. So they faked uh, the emissions. Yeah. They, they, yeah, they, 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 they fibbed. They fibbed. The little fibbing, interesting, yeah. and a little little fib, little fibbers. <laughs> so you're wearing an EPMD shirt, obviously, and I've sold you. I know I've sold you. I think the Fat Boy. I've shirt. gotten. I think, some, I've got a handful of decent ones from you over the years. I always, maybe I like a Run DMC or two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you had it, I'd buy it unless it was out of my price range. But usually, I just pay it if I if I love it. So yeah, give us a little insight into like what's your your sort of passion as far as vintage and when you collect? Um, I would say um, even since the early days, it's always been t-shirts. And I think that probably came from like the Nike t-shirts because that was like kind of what I got me started. So in those days, like, you know, and you could find t-shirts like this, public enemy, all these kind of things, either at a vintage shop on the rack at the Goodwills, or what most of my a lot of my early ones came from Good or uh, eBay. Did you, did you get like a a dope T shirt for like fifteen bucks because no one cared because all they were interested in at that time were rock T shirts. You know what I mean? Like no one was interested in in rap hip hop T shirts in the early two thousands. From what I can tell, right? No, it's true. So, it's true. Yeah, and so that's what I was buying. For years and years and years, and then, and along with that, I was just buying like I love Champion, the Rayon Cotton Blend, you know, with, the, with the water, the water print. Those are my favorites, so I was always collecting those. And then eventually, it hit a point, maybe like fifteen years ago, where like all the hip hop teachers just went like, <clears throat> you know what I mean? Like, and there was there were still in the realm. I was like, all right, I'll pay two fifty, I'll pay three fifty. But once they hit like a G, two Gs, three Gs, I was like, I'm out. I just, I, I had to tap. Like, I don't, I don't need them that bad. You know what I mean? So that was yeah. kind of a sad day because I still wanted to buy them, but like, I normally just couldn't afford them or I couldn't, it just seemed silly to spend that much money on a t-shirt. 
So but, did you collect, I still feel like a lot of the 80s ones never gained value like the 90s no, ones. No, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I always liked the 80 ones better. That was always, that was always my thing. Always like the 80s. Because that's my era. That was like middle school, early high school for me. Um, and then by the time I was older and those 90s ones were coming out, I was kind of into like techno and like rave music and different stuff. And I just like didn't care. You know what I mean? So like for me, it's like that late mid to late 80s, early 90s is the era that I'm interested in. And those are the ones that don't go crazy. You know what I mean? No, they don't. I mean, there's still there's still value there, but they're they're definitely not like three thousand dollar Tupacs or whatever the fuck's going on or or something. I mean, I'd I'd take one, but like that clearly like doesn't get doesn't do it for me. So what are some like notable shirts in your stash that you're like really hyped on? Um, well, it was between this. I mean, here's the thing. I thought about this long and hard the last two days. I was like, I don't want to seem too like obvious. Like I, I couldn't wear my most crazy shirt. Right. That's like, you're just trying too hard, but I also <laughs> don't want to wear something dumb. Right. So I, I so I, I picked mid grade. So this is mid grade shit. So it's between this and my fat boys t-shirt. Um, and then I also had a Rocky mountain feather bed t-shirt, which I think was like a, like a, uh, you know, Rocky Mountain Featherbed, right? They were the, the yeah, uh, the leather. The pop, the, yeah, yeah, but I have a t shirt, which I think is maybe an employee t shirt. So I almost wore that one, but it's a little tight. Um, That's pretty cool. I've never seen that. And it just has like the same tag graphic. It on has the, shirt. the same font. And, and I've shown it to a ton of outdoor dorks. And like, because I almost thought it was fake. I was like, you think this is real? And everyone I've shown, they're like, this looks legit to me. So it's I like assume a, it's an employee. It's 100% cotton. 100% cotton, yeah, like it's 70s. Spru- it's a spruce lake. So it's oh, like sick. one of those red, like kind of rayon cotton blends, ringers. And it just says black across the front, Rocky Mountain feather bed, you know, blah, 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 Wyoming. And I've never seen one since. I got an inspiration, actually. No way. Like, it was just on a rack. I just don't think anyone like made the connection. I feel like you that know? would be worth a mint. Yeah, I think so. I mean, like, I don't remember what I paid for. I didn't pay a lot. It might have been 50 bucks, but I would have paid a lot more than that. Guys, whoever had it, I just don't maybe didn't know like what that brand was or something. So it was between this one, Fat Boys, and that yeah. other one. But I've met so a for, lot for of people way listening to ones. this that don't know what that is. Rocky Mountain Featherbed is like it's from Wyoming, right? Is it Wyoming? Yeah, they do like that. So they do like they always have the leather yoke, and then they have yeah. like the sixty forty body. So it's either a vest, and they do a mountain park as well. Yeah, and so. And the vest, they also do an all-leather vest. And then, like, I've actually had some with, like, an all-leather vest, two-tone, with, like, a meat fur collar. I don't know if you've ever seen those. Yeah, those I've those, had those. Those are called the Christie yeah. vest, they called it. It had yeah, a name. Yeah. And that, that, those, yeah, those are, like, are, the most valuable, for sure. Yeah, all I, got, leather. I got real dough for one of those. I mean, and I haven't seen one since. I've had one, but it was the only time. So those, we those had, are We've highly... had the mountain parkas. Or like they're like they're not the hooded ones though. There's like a collared one in the yeah. camo with have, the leather. They have the zip that was a camo. Yeah, there's a camo. You, it's a camo. We had that years nothing. and years ago. Oh my god, a camo! Oh, dude, that's I love anything camo, dude. That's yeah. Crazy. That, that was fo- probably you one have of the best. Photos in that. Yeah, uh, photos. Probably that? if I could look back in the archive somewhere, but because that is, dude, that's like that sounds like grail level, like for my type of collectability, like. Rocky Mountain camo with the leather yoke, like that's that's huge, dude. I had no yeah, idea. Yeah, 
Yeah, totally. No so I also heard something about, uh, so this is from Uh-oh. Goodbye we go. Heart. So you, you okay. guys, <laughs> he said you went to, to inspiration with him the first one. And, I did, and, yeah, the, and, and the airplane hangar. That was fucking amazing. That was great. Yeah, I was there. I don't know if we met oh, no at that point. I met, yeah. you, I met you. I remember, and your dad was there, right? Or maybe you're, you and your brother are telling me about your dad. because you were, you were like, yeah, our dad was in the rag game. And I don't know if he was there. But I remember meeting you guys that for that first show. Yeah, that was a cool one. And that, the airport hangar in Santa Monica, yep, super yep. cool location. Um, and it was like, at that point, it was like, this is the first of this show. It was kind of the first, like, for me, it was the first high-end vintage show I, I yeah, like to, work really. Yeah, like workwear, t-shirt, like, yeah. like a curated version of, like, the Rose Bowl. But all the other shows were, like, all the, like, nerd like well like i wear a suit all the time or you know what i mean it was the shows were always like very costuming in my opinion but this yeah one because there's like, like the there's the show out in in palm vegas, springs vegas, that's like the rockabilly or, show or the vegas rockabilly yeah, show but they're very yeah, yeah. like niche they're very niched out yeah it's very yeah. niche and it's and it's never really my thing like that that whole aesthetic i like it but it was never my jam and he he said that you guys were like going around filming people and interviewing everybody or something so yeah, so I had this I had this grand idea for many years before that show that I wanted to do a documentary on the vintage business. And I didn't have, you know, clue what I was doing. So I go down, I had a GoPro, and then I actually had a buddy in Portland who had a friend down there that was like a professional videographer that owed him a favor. So he like, you know, followed me around the whole time. So I was interviewing all these people and I got all this dope footage. And then I had all that footage on a hard drive, all in an old PC that like I just lost or like it got in a move and I just never found Fuck. the footage again. Yeah, I know. Right. It's just, but here's the thing. I never would have made the movie in UA. So basically what I learned was making a documentary movie is the hardest thing anyone could possibly do. And I didn't A, have the time, the motivation or the money to do it. It's so much work. Yeah. So much work. I would have loved to see some of that footage though. Who did you interview? Do you remember? Or just a couple notables? No, I interviewed like Larry. I, I interviewed like, you know, like all, all the break, the usual suspects and then some random people. I don't even remember. I just, I was just walking around from booth to booth going, Hey man, like, can I interview you? And some people were like, absolutely not. And other people were like all about it. So there's probably some gold on there, but yeah, yeah it's, totally. sadly it's, it's gone. Unfortunately. Was Larry on your customer list back then or even before Larry? then? Yeah. Larry was Larry was a heavy hitter back in the day. If you yeah, had a rare sure. denim piece, a rare or something. But, you know, as the years went on, um, nothing against Larry. I like Larry, but I met and got to know the Japanese clients that he'd sell to. So yeah. then it was just like, well, if you're going to sell the Burbigen or, or Hunter Buyers or all these guys, like, I have their number. I don't need to sell, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. So as the years went on, he became less and less um, necessary, I guess. But I have nothing bad to say about Larry. He, he was always straight with me. Yeah, totally. Larry's straight. And in the early days before I had those other connections, he would pay more than most. So he stepped up on a lot of stuff over the years. And I feel like Larry sometimes would garner more than, uh, than you know, potentially like you or I could from somebody just because it's Larry. Like if it's a Larry piece, all of a sudden oh, it's he, like he now had a like cachet. He, he had, had a, a cachet. Larry cachet. He did. He absolutely did. Um, and 
I would never argue that. Um, I don't know that he still does, but back in the day, he 100% did. You know, was there, was there somehow... other Portland guys on, on your level, like at, in those, you know, back oh, in the sure. early yeah, 2000s? I, mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know if you, you know, John Persons, no. if you ever met John, he was a big guy. I mean, he was doing huge numbers. Um, and then my buddy, uh, Patrick, uh, Patrick Wheeler. I don't know if you know Patrick. He does the bowl. He's a buddy of mine. There's a lot of guys that kind of just like kept up to their own. They don't really have an online presence, but no, there was plenty of guys. And then some of them would come, some of them would go. But as far as people that are still doing it, that were doing it then, Patrick's probably the only guy. John's older. He's retired. You know, he bought like 30 houses. I mean, he's like, he's loaded now. Um, but Patrick's still going. Patrick's probably like the, one of the biggest dealers in Portland. I mean, he does big, big, big numbers. And he, it's, it's all like, he like a low profile, low it's profile. All, it's all wholesale to clients, not well, no retail. Well, he does Japanese guys. Uh, he also has a lot of the, um, you know, like the buy and sell, like the, the antique booth clothing places, like the House of Vintage. He has a huge presence. Like, so numbers. yeah, th- that's a big, um, a big thing in Portland. There's a lot of those kind of, they're called like, uh, not markets, but there's like a name for those like things. The mall, where there's the, like, the, the, yeah, the vintage, the vintage mall. mall or something. Dude, there's there's like ten of them, and they're and then they keep opening new ones, and you're like, how could there possibly be more vendors? And then that one's full, and then they're like, it, dude, it's just it's insanity. There's so many of. Them. Have they, you ever done? Have on, you ever done those? Uh, Put your stuff. In? No, I, I'm more like the guy that like goes through looking for mistakes, hoping to, yeah, like, yeah, you know what I mean. Like I just. I don't know. I just, I've never needed to do it because you don't make any money unless you do it on a big scale. And I know that because Patrick, you know, did it for years on a small scale, didn't really do well. And finally he had like, you know, 15 spaces and now he's crushing it, you know? So it's a, it's a, it's a volume. Gig. Yeah, yeah I mean, totally. If they take, not only do they take rent, they take like 15%. Plus you have to go in every day and like sort it. You know, it's a lot of work. To, yeah, to you gotta you gotta monitor it, and then yeah, I've like People done steal con- shit all the time. I mean, it, yeah, that's a, a big that's a big thing too, man. And that's partly why I'm like I told you I'm doing like a revamp of my store because we have insane theft, man. And like I feel like if you if you attract a higher clientele level, you'll have less theft. And if you're like more thrift store level, then you're gonna get a lot of theft because you just attract like a, a mishmash of people, right? Sure. Sure. Um, and you can't watch everyone. You can't have like a ta- like a, a thing on every. Like you can't just like cover over someone. You're just going to get shit stolen. It's just going to happen. You got to you know? expect it. And you can't. Some people are so fucking butthurt about it, and they won't accept it, and they waste so much energy on like making sure it won't happen. Instead of like le- accepting that a certain percentage will happen, and just move on yeah. and like go work yeah. on other parts of your business, you know. Don't put any, Patrick always said, anything over $50 hangs up or like anything over a hundred. He's like, there's nothing on the rack, like above a certain price. Cause he's like, anything on that rack can be stolen. So if I have anything like 75, 80, hundred and up, it's, they have to bring it down. You know what I mean? And that makes a lot of sense. It's like, yeah, that's, that's a good in. point. People just roll in. Like, you know, if you need a fix, like you're like a, you know, a drug addict or whatever your deal is, you can go steal a couple things, walk down the street, sell it. You got 40 bucks in your pocket. Boom. That's, that's your deal. And that probably happens every single day. You know? Yeah. hundred so. percent. 
And you're not going to get rid of it, but you can minimize it. Yeah, you can minimize it. And I think there's many ways to do that, but don't let it fucking ruin your vibe or kill your soul because oh, so many how people many like, times have you seen people on Instagram? There's like, this part, like, they just spend like, like their whole life like dedicated to this one person. Yeah, like, dude. Bro, just chill, man. Like it's, yeah, that person sucked. They stole. That was really terrible. But like, how much energy have you spent on posting and reposting and just, you know, the rage, like, Oh, like I'm so mad. Like I feel like it's not worth it. No, they never get it. that thing back. That never happens. They never get that thing back. What, we, I got a funny story actually. One time we yep. had something stolen at the Rose Bowl. Speaking of getting things back, and we posted about it. I think we posted about it, or we might have sent it to friends. But anyway, we spread it around somehow, and then we to got other, it people, other people at the, at the bowl. in the business at the ball and in L.A. And then this was when round two was like at its maybe height of like popularity, somebody brought it into round two to sell and Sean no fucking took it from the guy for us. He's like, I, this is my Whoa. friends. I, I'm like, I know you no stole it. Shit. And he got it Good back for from him. us. Good for him. Cause that, no, it's like, it's a small group of people. And like, and it, especially if it's a very specific piece, you know, you're like, dude, like obviously there's not multiple of these around. So if you see this blue, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Well, this piece some- was the, you know the Rasta tank, the Polo Rasta tank. It's like got the it's like the block block. It's color blocked with like the Rasta colors tank top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Polo night yeah, yeah. Very like it's like there's not a lot of these out there. It's very yeah, distinct. So you're not going to see multiple of those in a day. Sure. No. So he and he fucking got it back for us. We were like super grateful, and it was like we were like holy shit, like it worked. It actually happened. Right. We right. weren't even expecting to. And again, we wouldn't even have cared, but that's like a, at the time, I think we were trying to get 800 bucks for that piece, right? That's, that's real money. It wasn't yeah. 80 bucks. That's 800. You know what I mean? That's, that's, that's actual money. Now yeah. I don't get it. Like those kids or whoever, those people that are stealing, like, I don't know what their like long-term goal is, but you're going to get outed with all the, every camera, every shop is cameras. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're just going to be put on blast. If you yeah. pull that shit. And and it's karma is a real fucking thing, in my opinion, and sure, in my belief system. And I believe like you gotta put out good vibes to get good vibes and say shit's gonna come back to you. And I also that's kind of how I justify not worrying about it. Cause I'm like, I know these people are hurt up. If they're like addicts or low on cash, they need the money, like they really needed to steal this thing. I just feel bad for you and it's gonna come back to you in some other way anyway so i just don't worry about it but i i think like you know we've all stolen something when i was a kid like sure i stole some candy bars oh, sure or, yeah. I, I used to sell candy and like oh that yeah sure we've all done you it. know we've all done it but then eventually you realize like you know it's now when sucks. you're in your own business you're like yeah you don't want you don't want to steal from somebody because you're like i don't want them to steal from me and i get how that feels now you know <laughs> yep yep absolutely 100 so. percent like, I'd never steal anything now unless I was, like, you know, desperate to, like, survive. I mean, like, just absolutely have no reason to do that. So Yeah, no. So, inspiration is coming back. How do you feel about this? Um, well, let's see if Ren does any kind of promotion. His prom- have you seen the, have you seen the, <laughs> the flyer? He yes, looks like a... What? Dude, the fl- <laughs> his flyers are absolutely <laughs> terrible. I talk to Brian about this all the time. It looks like some kind of fetish, like fantasy camp, dude. It's like, <laughs> no, dude, look, dude, I wish you had him. I wish you had it. And I wish I had to show it. It's oh, so weird. I'm going to get, I'm going to get Matt, Matt, my editor. You got to put the 
flyer on the screen for this talk, man. Oh my god, Dude, it's the most bizarre thing. I'm just like, is this is this like a fetish show or like a vintage show? And then remember the one where you have like the girl at like the stadium. Dude, his his promotion is the most bizarre thing. I think it makes no sense. But so, everybody no, kind of vibes on it, and everybody kind of laughs at it. But it goes like, "Oh, Rin," you know, and the and it, the, the broken English, and just the 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 funny t- his funny take on the culture. That sure, we no, have I here. like Rin. He's a great guy, and I'm not like mad at it. No, I just feel like he does a bad job at promoting the show, and pro- like people that set up like suffer in a way because there should be way more people at those shows. Yeah, like the last and, I, couple, and the the last couple were very bad attendance. They're and I bad, think right? People they're, they're and, bad. and the the location was bad. This is better. It's in Pasadena, so it's in like oh, the so Pasadena. It's a different location. This yeah, is at the Staples Center that was way too huge. It was insane. It, it's in like okay, this. Good. Yeah, the it, the last one was Staples Center with the very like soulless, empty space. Soulless, in my opinion, nothing. Yeah, like nothing. Yeah. So, but the Pasadena one I know is a much more intimate facility it's like right downtown pasadena by like the you would know it if because you go to you've been, you've been down there a bunch right sure. um it's like not a right, bunch right right, a, right across from like that walking mall that's right on colorado great location yeah um, okay and also like i'm talking about it on this show so hopefully fucking i'm helping promote it and i did reach out to rin for that exact thing you're saying i was like dude the game promote has changed it. you the last show you did was five years ago the game has changed now it's like you got to get to the younger generation because they're the new like denim buyers, really. When yeah. you break this Instagram down, Instagram should be, be blowing up. His TikTok should be blowing up. Now, I don't even concerned about the the paper shit. Like his, his social media should be like on fire, and I just don't think it is. You know, but maybe he's like, I'll make my money either way. I guess. <laughs> and it's not. It's actually not cheap. Like compared to any other shows, it's quite expensive. So what was it like fifteen hundred a booth? Something like that, yeah. I think a ten by ten is like a thousand or twelve hundred. Yeah, because like I that. think Brian was like on the fence. Brian can afford it. But he's like, he's like, I just don't even. He's like, I'd rather just buy. Just he'd rather just pay the early entry and run around and buy crap than like set up. You know, but yeah, you know, almost two grand for a space. It's it's a lot mm-hmm. of money. Remember the footage of of Brian's booth when he? Oh no, Brian was the one jumping in the booth. There's oh, footage. Air snappy. Oh, air snapping. Yeah. <laughs> See, everyone was coming from the front and he went from the side and he did like a straight up like Air Jordan dude jump jacket. It was incredible. It was absolutely do you, do you, incredible. Do you remember whose booth that was? Uh I do. It's those guys, it's those found indie guys, the guys from Indiana. Oh yeah. Um, okay. The guy that, yeah, yeah, it was their booth. So yeah. I gotta paint this picture for the listeners here. So they close their booth off. They get everything set up. So you it's, can all, see it's everything. all roped off. Yeah, it's, yeah, all roped, it's off. roped off. You can see all the heat up on the wall, all the best shit they have up on the wall, and everyone gathers around and they like release the bulls by ripping yep. up the yep. <laughs> ripping up the rope. And Snappy, yep. like you said, comes in like Michael Jordan just fucking going for it. But from the he, side, no one thought. He came in from the side, and everyone was like, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. And he's like, there's no rules here, dude. There's no one said you can't do this. He had an ear snappy, dude. He got the jacket. <laughs> do you know what jacket that he was going for? Yeah, it was like kind of like a souvenir jacket. It had like a tiger on the back. It wasn't even that. Honestly, it was like a two. It was like not even that big of a deal. He's just such a maniac that like. He has to get everything, but I don't think the jacket was even that big of a deal. 
But he decided to be, he's like, I'm getting that jacket. I'm fucking getting I'm that getting jacket. I'm getting that dude. jacket. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, Brian cracks me up. He's coming on the show. I've, like, tried to set up times with him. We've been, like, having this. He's busy. He's scheduling. He's way, busy, way busier than I am. Way busier. So he'll do it. He'll do it. But yeah, he's just no, a busy he's stoked to get, a, to get on here. Uh, he cracks me up, man. At, at the the Durango Fest, he, he yep. didn't. So Snappy didn't want to get his like expensive work boots dirty. So what he did was he went to Walmart and bought oh. like the worst pair of like like dad hospital shoes, and he's he wearing had, he like had the, he had the Snappies on, dude. He was wearing the Air the, that that's the Air Snappies. Dude, they were like they were like they were like a Walmart brand sneakers. They were so whacked. And he was clown, like multiple people clowned him. And I was like, dude, this is so funny. They're like, what the fuck are those? Yeah, (laughs) that was, that was hilarious. Clowned on those. And I was like, I was like, well, first of all, work boots are meant for like, you know, stomping around in the dirt, really. But yeah, yeah. Also, um, yeah, it just looked so funny. Like Velcro hospital shoes. He's just rocking them. But with his yeah. fit, it was the contrast of the fit. Because, you know, Snappy dresses. Yeah. He's got like nice. double X on, like a dope rayon shirt. And then he's got like these horny ass shoes on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. But Fucking... he's a good sport, though. Like he's like, he, he like takes it in stride. Like he, he oh, like yeah. knows it's dumb. But he's like, dude, I don't want to get like my good boots dirty. Because like, you know, he's got like. Three thousand dollar boots. He's like, I'm not yeah. running around in the dirt and those. Like, so he just wears Fair this bullshit. Yeah, makes sense. And uh, Durango was a was a dirt fest for sure. Great oh, time, hundred percent, hundred percent. I ruined okay, my so- Birkin socks. They were so gross after that. I could I can't wear. I have been unable to wear that pair since then. It was just hot. Oh, yeah. and they're sandy. I got all ground in. Anyways, enough enough info. <laughs> yeah, it was gross. <laughs> um. We're getting to a part of the show where I ask everybody a set of set questions, okay? Yep. So I want to know, who is your goat? Speaking of Air Snappy, Air Jordan, who is your goat of the vintage business? This could be like somebody who mentored you or like somebody who you just think is doing it really well. And you can name a male and a female if you want. Oh, well, for female, 100%. Do you know who Liz Bach is? Hell yeah. Busy, busy lady. So me and Liz have been friends since mid-90s because we came up in the rave game. No way. Liz, yeah, Liz Baca, like, well, first of all, I was like in love with her. She's beautiful. But then we just became friends. And we've been friends ever since. She... You got put is, in the friend zone. <laughs> well, it just it just happened that way. But yeah. she's hardworking. She knows her shit. She's she's an incredible woman. So she would be top of my list, 100%. Yeah, I know um, Liz well from years of Rose Bowl, and we've hung out with them a lot. Um, she is a great person. She she's a great person. Mike, Michael as well. Yeah, yeah we yeah, do, they're good, for sure. They're good people. So we've been we've been in the biz, or in just, just friends for so long, um, and she's just always... She's just always good people. She, she knows her business. Uh, she's a hard worker. So... I'd have her up there as far as like on the dude side. I mean, there's a, you know, like Ben that I told you about earlier that um, was in the business in the late eighties and the nineties, uh, Ben Baskins. He taught me a lot. Um, these days though, I mean, there's a lot of guys, but I mean, I'm telling you like pound for pound, 
Brian is up there, man. He gets he gets better shit than most people. I mean, period. He just does. And I know there's a lot of other guys that get a lot of good stuff, but I see a lot that he gets that probably other people don't see. And he gets a lot of a lot of crazy stuff. A lot of crazy stuff. He's what and I don't know what something is. He's my call. <laughs> and David's using number two. Yeah. Everybody needs those guys someone are my like friends that. and they'll just yeah. tell me. Like they're not going, oh well, what do you want for it? Like they don't pull that. They're just like, it's worth it. You know. So those are always good, uh, good people to have, you know, on your side. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Okay, great, great choices. Love it. Next one is uh who do you nominate for most underrated? Somebody that maybe doesn't get enough shine for killing it. I feel like Sam should be, I mean, I know Sam's getting some recognition as of late, but Sam, you know, known bad boy, he, when I first met Sam, he was selling bullshit on Depop, like just junk. I mean, a lot of it. And then yeah. in the course of three or four years, he surpassed all of it. He was like, you know, just buying and selling crazy stuff. And I don't know, like if he's on that level that a lot of people know about, but he's a heavy hitter. You know what I mean? When I get like a, good pair of double x i'll call him he'll he'll pay more than my japanese guys just because he wants them yeah so i totally. feel like he might be a little underrated you know what i mean and there's probably in my buddy patrick in in town as well because he's such a low profile patrick you know is a huge heavy hitter dealer but doesn't really like he's not on instagram you know he's not like he's just not like a guy that wants to be known but he's a huge huge player so those would probably be my two. That's awesome. I think it's funny you say like somebody who's not known, like there's there's too much emphasis. You know, I'm a victim of this too. There's too much emphasis on being known now. Like, yes, one way to run your business is to be known and have cultivate your own audience. But then there's also lots of other ways to do it. Like be a vendor in a, in a vintage market or just run an eBay game or run mm-hmm. a game on so many other things. There's so many other ways to do it besides like, trying to market your own audience because that's actually very hard to do but i feel like that's a lot of what those young bucks like you know for me it was like i had to, it took me so long to acquire a certain level or status or a level of like access to certain buyers and then now with instagram the you know they're just like they can have that in like six months which took me six years you know, and I'm not like mad. It's just, but part of me is a little mad. I was like, I had to work way harder to get to a point that you guys can just get to real easy, you know? And there's a lot more of them promoting themselves than they're used. When I was coming up, there was a lot less of that, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Yeah, a lot less. I a still, lot less. I still think that, I mean, I don't even think it existed really for so many years, but I think now it's, that still holds a lot of value. Like, I don't think these kids, they can probably fast track a lot of it, but you can't fast track all of it, you know? And sure. At least I'm hoping so. I don't know. Well, and also the relationships. I mean, like big part of why I'm successful is all these relationships I've cultivated. And like, you know, I can like, if I got into a deal and I didn't have the money, I could make one phone call. I'm like, I need $25,000. And some all would be like done. You know what I mean? That doesn't happen overnight. You know what I mean? Like if, or if you just don't have the dough, you know what I mean? Like that, 
that those kind of relationships take years to cultivate. You know what I mean? Or the person that like you just know will tell you when something's work. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. So yeah, um, totally. There, there's something about having those long term relationships that are very valuable, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and, and those, they don't they don't come for nothing. They come built on trust, right? And they come built on being yep. a good person. So you know, treat people as you want to be treated. Treat people with respect. Treat people. You know, don't try to rip people off. Like the, if you try to at any point like pull one over on any on somebody, then th- they're they're never going to trust you again. And trust, especially is, these is so days, important. I mean, it. Yeah. So if you go through this business over decades and you acquire all these great people that trust you, that you would help you, you help them. You obviously are not a turd. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> yeah. So to me, to me, that is like what's the most valuable. You know. And I'm not saying these young kids are necessarily like shady. But they just, a lot of them come up so fast and were able to get past hurdles that in the, in my day was, took a long time. You know what I mean? So it's, it's just different. Yeah. Yeah. Their and rise you, to fame just happened very quickly. And you know, they what's funny ri- though, you've heard the saying, the quicker you rise, the harder, the faster you fall or the harder you'll fall sure. or whatever, right? Yep. And maybe, yeah. There is some truth to that because there's a lot of people that came up through like this pandemic t-shirt craze that are just gone now. They've already left. Sure. Be- you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So there's like, there's a more natural, organic, and sustainable growth over time than like a super quick rise to stardom or whatever, because it-, it, it You get it, more of a foundation. When you do a slow roll, like you build a foundation, but when you just like go that, I, I just don't feel like it's like natural. You know what I mean? Like you go from zero to 60 in like a year. And then like, I feel like they, they get money too fast and they get stupid with it or what. I don't know what they do, but I, I feel like if I was that age and all of a sudden I had all this dough, I'd probably do some stupid shit. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I do some real stupid shit. <laughs> totally. <laughs> no, it's very, it's, it's all valid. And I think about this sometimes, like I've read just as an example of this Patagonia, I think in like the eighties, they had like a few boom years, right. Where they grow, like they grew like a hundred percent year over year. Right. Holy and, shit. Wow. Yeah. And they, then, then something happened, like the economy turned and they like almost had to fucking go out of business. Cause they're like, we grew too when fast. When was this? Like late eighties or early? 80s I don't remember. Or... I'm pretty sure it's in one of their books I've read. Cause I've read like all the Chouinard books, but Sure. And then I, yeah, so then it turned and they had to like, they had to slow down. And then once they finally regained like stability, they were like, we're only going to allow ourselves to grow by a certain amount so that we, right. we so know they we can, in. they reined yeah. it in. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely good lessons in there. But those dude, the, the pandemic was like the perfect storm of like all the Instagram videos, all that free money. All the, you know, all those checks that everybody was getting, everyone was at home living at mom and dad's house. And it was just like this storm of t-shirt madness, dude. We're like, people were paying like $2,000 for winning the poo t-shirt and shit. Dude. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? Right? Yeah. Just like, what is even happening, man? Like, <laughs> like that whole thing was so bizarre to me. I just was like, what was happening? I you know, know I, 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 I
I opened a or notebook they're getting that yesterday. money for those t-shirts, but like, wow, man, it was crazy. Well, I fucking, I, well, I, I, I took advantage of it, and I got as much money sure. as I could, too, during that time. Sure. I, I opened a notebook yesterday, because I, I use, like, these, like, just whatever notebooks for, like, my to-do sure. lists and, like, shit that I got to remember, and I run through all these notebooks. I opened an old one, and when that was happening, I would, like, do the live auction sometimes, and then I would put all the sales in the notebook to, like, have to hit people up for money, right? And I was looking at the prices on these and I'm like, holy fuck. Like there was like some Pink Floyd shirt for 350. Then there was like this other shirt for 400. And I was like, damn, I sold like all these crazy shirts in this one like hour session during this time. And I was like, fuck, I can't even like sell a shirt for like hundred bucks right now. This was on your website or was it? No, this was sales. This was sales. Like just going live on Instagram back when the the, the craze was happening. Because everyone had money and they were all like, not, they couldn't go anywhere. So they were just like, and there was like this frenzy, man. It was like a perfect storm. Crazy, crazy. Frenzy. Yeah. Yeah. So you're looking back, you're like, oh, I couldn't even get half that for that t-shirt now. Oh yeah. There was some, we sold us like, uh, you know, the magic school bus, the TV show. I don't. It's like a kid's show. It's probably, like, I think I'm a little younger than you. So it was like my childhood or even nineties or something. It's just like a shirt with this oh, stupid whatever stupid thing dude like eight hundred dollars what you're like who's eight hundred dollars are you crazy eight hundred dollars for me is like top like that's like my rail t-shirt <laughs> yeah that's it's so much money for a t-shirt it's prices stupid. were out of whack so absolutely sp- speaking of your grail shirt this is the next uh question is what is like your say one grail that you own or like the one grail you're still trying to acquire? Eh. Man. Um I've got an Eric B and Rakim paid in full tea. That's a pretty good one. Um Hell yeah. I've got I've got um I got a bunch, you know. Literally, so they're just folded up in like uh two gallon like Ziploc bags. So they don't, and then I just have them stacked and there's hundreds of them. Um, but like. You have hundreds of wrap, hundreds of wrap tees or no, just hundreds no, of t-shirts? I've got hundreds of t-shirts and like, I would say wrap t-shirts, probably like 75, 50, 75. Yeah, okay, still a good number. And the, yeah. And like, you know, I've got like, I've got like rock t-shirts, uh, rave t-shirts, skate t-shirts. Cause I've been buying them for like 20 plus years. But as far as like, like the most pinnacle that's uh, a tough one because like there's so many different categories you know what i mean yeah yeah um i've got a okay. i've got it in utero um you know with the, with like the skeleton like uh nirvana one that's a high dollar one but that's not really my favorite you know what i mean so if, like what's the most valuable and what's my favorite two different things that makes sense yeah for sure and that and i, I yeah. think that's very valid because i collect a lot of just what I like. I have a lot of like worthless stuff that I collect. <laughs> like literally. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like you love it though. You love it. Yeah. You like it. Yeah. These weird skate things that are like non-branded '90s weird goofy skate thing that no one cares about. But I'm like, this is just funny or cool to me. Yeah, absolutely. And I and like I never I I did keep a lot of cool '90s band shirts that I liked of bands that I listened to. And I did uh-huh. listen to Nirvana, of course, but I also was like, it wasn't ever my favorite band. And I'm like, I'm not keeping Absolutely it because it's, it's worth so much. Not. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and most so of those was, kids that, that, that sweat it and collect it and drove the prices up, they weren't even really big fan music. It's just the imagery and the fact that everyone was so like hyped on. 
You know, they're yeah. not like hardcore Nirvana band fans. No. You know, it's just <laughs> about like the imagery is cool. The, the, like the graphics are cool. And, but really it was the, the hype and like the value, I think, of what really drove it. You know, yeah. they're not going to nerd out and like, like, oh, what about this like obscure, you know, bootleg? That no, you know, they're, they're not that level of nerd, you know. At least in my opinion, I could be wrong, but uh, do you have anything that you're you're actively hunting for? I know when we get to this stage in our in our lives and careers, we kind of were like, eh. But <laughs> um, I like, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's definitely like, you know, there's definitely ones. I mean, I it's hard to like name one, but here's the thing: it's like normally, like when I'm at Rose Bowl or I go to Inspiration, there's T-shirts I want. They're just too expensive. You know what I mean? They're just too expensive. I, like, I, I have a good segue question that adds to this question. What is your number one eBay search that you type in the search bar? Do you have I, like a I, go-to? I'm, always, I'm all, well, not, not, no, top five. I'm always looking for a big daddy cane t-shirt and they're like <laughs> impossible. They're impossible. I've been, I've had the safe search for like years and like the closest thing I've come to was this bootleg, like, like, hip-hop like multi-group thing where he's just it just says big daddy Kane, a bunch of the other people like i, I don't even know if he ever sold anything or if he ever sold merch ever because like i just can't find one wow so that's that's high on the list okay cool um too short t-shirt always been after that shit oh you know what a really good one i got i got uh you know mca there's right? definitely i've seen two short t-shirts not too long ago i feel like they're out there they're out there, but the, the early ones, they always want crazy money. Yeah. Uh, one good one I found for next to nothing. So you know who MC8 is, right? Uh, like, yeah. Like old school West Coast guy. Do so you remember Compassville's Wanted was his earlier group? Okay. Not like so, so familiar so, with that, but. So it's early. It's like like pre-NW, like in, early NWA. So anyways, this dude posted it, and I was like, I'll give you $300 for that t-shirt. He's like, nah, it was at auction. He's like, I'm going to let it ride. And I'm like, all right. So I put a bid in. I got that T-shirt for twelve dollars. No way! Yeah, and then I thought he was going to not sell it to me, and he didn't say a damn word. He packaged it up and shipped it to me. Couldn't believe it. Because I was like, "I'll give you three hundred dollars today, right now." Because I know you never bought it for twelve dollars, dude. That guy must have been so salty. Oh god! Oh, dude, I expected him to be like, "Uh, yeah." So, what about that three hundred dollars, dude? <laughs> It was crazy. So every once in a while, you just hold tough, man. But no, there's a there's a lot of early hip hop ones. I mean, I, I wish I could like rig them off right now, but like just weird ones that like you just don't see. And the Big Daddy Kane is definitely on that list. Nice. Okay, on yep. to the next on to the next question. Um, actually, before I I got it, I'm just going to say my grail that I'm looking for on the show, so that if yep. anybody listening has it, they'll sell it to me. I want the I want the uh, the the burnt orange like seventies Patagonia deep reverse pile. You know the one that's like the it's the orange color that like so not rust- the brown, not the blue. Are it's we like talking the, the early early ones. Yeah, the early like seventies, like rusty brown, rusty burnt orange color. So the burgundy or not or, or the or no the, or no no it's, it's it's orange. I've There's never pic- seen that one. Okay, well, there's pic- I have yeah. the blue, the gray, and the blue. I I have those three colors, but I, have, I haven't seen this orange one before. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'll I'll uh, we'll put a picture on this. But there's like a, yeah, 
here's pictures of, of Yvonne wearing it. They pop up. They're all, it's the it's the more rare of the colorways. Because like I the love original. the early Patagonia stuff. That that that's also my 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 jam. So I didn't know oh, that. Yeah. I never seen that one. Well, now you got a new grail on your list. There, there you yeah, go. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> there we go. So another thing I get. <laughs> what's the worst trend currently in the vintage scene? Um. Well, there seems to be this trend of like, okay. Let's say that you went to a thrift store and you gathered like 50 garments, shirts, jackets, pants, hats, and you put them into a box and you blindfolded yourself and you shook them up and you dunked the shirt, you dunked the box on the ground and then blindfolded and you just put an outfit on. That's a look. <laughs> that's how I see it. Literally, that's how I see it. Like none of it makes any sense. It's like a faux fur jacket with like a vest and there's like, flip flops with socks or something. I just I just don't understand. I mean, I'm probably an old fuddy duddy, but that's how it looks like to be that like you blindfolded went into like a closet and just grabbed shit. <laughs> that that would be something that I'm not really feeling. Not feeling that. <laughs> oh good. Yeah. Uh, as far as style goes, like for a long time because this t shirt thing is crazy, yeah, people would love to wear like these crazy t shirts, but then just wear like a really bad pair of track pants or like Adidas, like Adidas pants or something so random. And you're like, you can't just wear this shirt without like putting a thoughtful oh, outfit so together. Everything else was an afterthought. You're like, well, yeah. I got the T on. So like, it doesn't matter what else I'm wearing. Yeah, I'm like, good. I'm good. Like, you know, yeah, I see a lot of that as well. Yeah. It's kind of the same it's mentality. It's random hodgepodge or like, it's so random that you almost like had to think about it like i don't know it's just it, 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 it makes me crazy like it just doesn't make any sense there's like so i jesse used to call i used to wear like like all mix eras like i'll often mix eras in my outfit like i think that's cool and if you can do it like in a sure. cool yeah. way that if works you pull it off yeah no problem that's like that's like real style that's like the definition of it because like style doesn't have to be any certain thing you create it for yourself but it you put together a, your own look right yeah but sure it's like being able to do that in a way that's cohesive and looks cool, or else you're just, yeah, just a hodgepodge looking. Or if you, like, if you break down each piece, you're like, just because you put this look together and you think it's cohesive, if you break down each piece, like each piece is whack, like 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 neat, like nothing's good. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I, I try not to judge. I see a lot of that, and I'm like, <laughs> what is even happening? And then like they're like, maybe they think the same about me, but. I see a lot of that of like the younger guys in the in the game wearing very very bizarre combinations of clothing that I don't get. So. <laughs> All right, uh, your favorite or best trend in the vintage scene currently? Well, um, currently, currently, um, favorite, favorite. Well, you know, like the outdoor stuff is, I mean, it's always been popular, but it seems like a lot of people are like hip to the outdoor stuff, which is kind of like one of my favorite, you know, like I love anything outdoor, puffy, goose down. Um, so I see that, um, a lot of people wearing like denim with like a lot of repairs and stuff. I'm into that. Um, nice. So I'm into that stuff, you know, but like, 
I feel like it's a lot of the same as well. You know what I mean? I feel like a lot of the looks and a lot of the, what people are wearing has been going on for quite a while. Outside of that, like, random thing that we talked about. That seems like kind of new. But, but you know, the other one is just like, you know, if you went to, like, Inspiration 1 and Inspiration 12, like, and the uniforms are about the same. You know what I mean? Like, the guys have, like, the same uniform. The hats got bigger. But, like, other than that, like, they have, like, the same look. That makes sense? Yep. Have you noticed how the hats got bigger and bigger? What hats are we talking? Like, we're look, well, talking like, like a cowboy vibe or like a... Well, no, no, no. It's like, it's more of like a fedora or like one of the cowboy styles, but add this joke that was like, tomorrow on who wears the biggest hat? Like, and it was like, everyone tried to out-hat each other. So like every year there'd be a guy that was like, oh, a little bit bigger hat. <laughs> I feel like it was like a goal. Like a, it was like a mission. Like R- I'm going to have the most ridiculous vintage hat. Like, Rin every can, year. Can, can give an award for the most ridiculous hat at the next inspiration. I swear to you, there was always one guy that was like out padded everybody. So that at least that, that was my observation. See, I'm a victim. I'm a victim of watching uh, Yellowstone. Did you ever watch that show? A little bit, yeah, yeah. And now I, I just, I really just want to get a good cowboy hat and fucking yeehaw, wow. man. Just get us, you know, stats and the more X's the better. Apparently, from what I understand, that's so costumey though. It's like unless you're actually like doing some cowboy shit. You yeah, just look I, like, I, you, I you know. Look like you have that's, a why, on. that's why I haven't done yeah. it. It's so costumey. Yeah. But I'm like, but now I, I even I even want to go actually ride some horses now. I'm like, that they're living the life, man. Yeah. Well, riding horses. I grew up in Kentucky, so riding horses is is fun. I mean, I don't never owned them or anything, but you know, growing up, there's just you just do something to do, you know. I've got aunts and uncles and cousins that have horses, so I go back, you know, you get on one, you're like, all right, I get it. I'm on it, but I don't like it enough to like make it a lifestyle. You know, I'm not going to like have them. Like, I don't no, want to, I'm not going to own horses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not ready for that commitment. Not ready for that commitment. Yeah. You know, so if you, this is kind of a shout out question, if you could pick yep. like your top three people that you'd want to go on like a picking trip or a digging trip or a sourcing trip, who would you bring? And I mean, people outside of my circle or just people in my circle? Well, I mean, maybe you can't pick like the people you'd want to pick for like a, a vacation because they're going to, they're going to try to snipe all the denim. I don't know. Who would, right, who would, right, who would you right, pick? right. I mean, people. Liz would be a first pick because her and I are, are, are on such different things. She picks like only women's most, so we would get along great. You know what I mean? Um, so her, and I, her Instagram is called Busy Lady Baca. That's what it's called, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. She, Everybody go follow. Dude, she she knows, dude. She she is cold, man. She she knows her stuff. And uh, she, she she's awesome because she also dabbles in not dabble. She fully is in women's wear on a level that most people don't even understand or will oh, ever like, understand. Like designer stuff. Like and she does like movie commercial. She 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 does like dude. She's on some next level stuff. That a lot of yeah. people like don't even get. Yeah. So, but her That's and great. I have picked together many times over the years and we never cross either. We never step on toes because I'm just like men's section is a women's section. And then we'll, we'll meet back up and then we'll look at what we have. And that's the per- perfect picking partner. You know? Yeah. If you're totally. with someone that wants the same stuff you do, the only way to do a fair is to go, whatever you get and I get is cool. If we, if one of us finds something of high dollar, we have to split it. Otherwise, one person's butthurt. 
you know? For sure. So if you're finding 10, 20, $30 items and then each person find that's yours. You find something that's like 500 bucks, thousand bucks. We split that. That's the only way to do a fair. And that's worked for me over the years. I've, I've done that with many friends. Oh, really? Okay, cool. Yeah. Like you find a pair of big E's or something on the rack and then I'm just finding like bullshit or whatever. We have to split that. Otherwise it's just like, there's, you know, there's something not quite right about the day. Yeah. But you yeah, agree upon that early, you know? For sure. I mean, I think that's a great way to do it. And I, I've never had, I worked with my brother. So we like, we would do say, a lot you of your tricks. brother have been doing this. You guys must've been on tons of picks together. Oh or yeah. It's no, always been, it's always no, been for we, the business. Well, yeah, because eventually we joined, right? Yeah, and in the early days, it was only a couple of years that we were picking for ourselves. And if we ever did a pick, we would split it and it was for the business. But then eventually we just fully joined. So now it's like, if you find shit, we split it. If I find shit, we split it. And we both yeah. kind of have different roles in the company. But sure, I never had like other picking friends that would do trips with. And like oftentimes my homies that were just my friends outside of vintage would find stuff. And then they just and- like... Drew, I got some cool shit. You want to buy it? I'd be like, I'd just give right. a good price for it because they're my homies. Sure. But, um, but they didn't find it out with you, though. They found it on their own. No, right? they would be like finding it on their own and, and just yeah. Pass, you pass were like on. out on a picnic trip together, like a fun, like hey, we're on a road trip or we're stopping at this like thrift store. It's like you then you have to be like, come on, we're yeah. gonna split this up, you know? Just for to, sure. Just, like, and work. I think I kind of wanted to ask that to uh, Kyle last week's podcast. Uh, guess because I was like, you're doing these bando things with all these guys. Like, he's how do you? He's been. He's with people, right? There's no way he's, he's doing he, it by himself. No, he does it he with can't. people, and he. I'm pretty sure they got to split it. Otherwise, how would that be fair at all? So, yeah. I never so even. I never it. asked that question. Yeah. Oh, you never asked it. Okay. No, I never asked the question. He'd be, he'd be out of it to do that by yourself is so dangerous on so many levels. One, you could fall through a floor and break a leg. Two, guy pulls a gun. I mean, there's so many things that can go wrong on those trips. So smart to run with like three or four guys on something like that. You know, you're less likely to get into trouble. Have you ever done that? Never did it. Um, yeah. I'm too old to do it now. I mean, yeah. if, if if I knew about it in my 20s, 100% do it. But I'm like, I just turned 47. There's no way in hell I'm doing that shit. No way. You know, I'd rather try to get a hold of the person that owns the property and ask permission. I'm not breaking into a house. But yeah, you know, we, more power we, we found a place last summer on the way to Faded, which was like out in the East Coast, and it was locked. And you can tell there was like too much activity on the property that this was not like fully abandoned. Like the house was abandoned, yeah. but there was people using the property. I tried to go to the neighbors and like knock on the door and shit, and uh, they never answered. So I'm like, what the fuck are we going to do? Like we're leaving. Yeah, that's um, the thing. I mean, you can, I saw that, clothes you... in the window, though. I was like staring at a closet oh, full really? of fucking old clothes. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, It's tough, man. But like, from what I've heard, you know, like Ricky, you know, Ricky Causey and like Smokestack, you know, they they told me stories where they're like, their rule of thumb was like, when we find a property, if, if we have to break in, we don't do it. If it says no trespassing, we don't do it. But he's like, most of the time, either the doors open or there's no door. Like it's just the door is gone. And he's yeah. like, because people have already been in and out of this property over years. Yeah. And the clothes is the last thing people grab. You know, they're looking for collectibles, coins, metal, whatever. They're not looking for clothes. So the clothes are just moved out of the way, looking for other stuff, you know. And they might be the 50th person that's been in that house. But yeah, they're like, we never break doors. We never break windows, uh, which is smart, you know. I mean, because 
Um, but yeah, they, even then they said that it just got too, too risky. You know, they had too many close calls, you know, with people like, not to say pulling guns, but you know, yeah. people, they just, they got too risky. No, it's definitely happened. I've heard of people getting guns put all the way. I heard of a couple kids getting arrested. Yeah. I heard about yeah. that too. I've, uh, I've heard that multiple times actually. Yeah. What I haven't heard, what I worry happen. about when I haven't heard is, is someone getting shot actually like either killed or hurt. You're in the middle of Missouri and in a, in a house, and some dude, they'll shoot you. Yeah. Yep. So I hope and, that doesn't happen. And I hope that, that and and that and that 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 shooting probably in court would just be like a could potentially be looked at as like self defense or like a trespassing thing, and you're not gonna, you know, I don't exactly know what the law says on all that, but each state is different. Down, and, down south where I grew up, if someone's like you is on my property, you basically have the right to shoot somebody. I mean, I, don't, I can't say that a hundred percent, but from my understanding, as the way people see things down there, you'd probably be in the right to do that. Well, you shouldn't have done it, but I, I just worry yeah, that no someone's—I worry someone's going to get hurt doing it. That's what, that's what I'm saying. I hope not. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, okay, well, we're going to end it there. Do you have any uh, last words or shout-outs, people, or anything you want to say? Um, we- well, I want to give a shout out to David by heart because you know he kind of put a good word in for me um he's you know one of my 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 oldest bestest vintage homies um, yeah i know dude. good by heart i don't know him personally very well but i've seen him at all the events and he always has the crazy crazy hippie jackets this guy oh, is always coming up the on beach. East he's the guy west. he's the guy yeah he's the guy at one point he had like a hundred plus east west jacket i mean like when they were going for real money you know he was he was the guy um, yeah, family man he's he, he's just an overall solid dude so anyways he, he, he's uh he's one of my, my good friends so and i know you reached out to him and he and he put a few good words in for me maybe a few bad ones or whatever but uh <laughs> i just want to give shouts out to him so okay cool well thank you for coming on the show and uh i'll see you at inspiration my man all right everybody hope you enjoyed that I enjoyed recording it. Thanks, Aaron, for coming on the show. As always, if you want to go shop FSNFrankVintage.com, 30% off with code VTGN stuff. Going to put that on the screen here for you. Make sure you go follow me on Instagram at TrueHyphits. Follow my guest at Welcome Home Vintage. And if you want to support the show, please go sign up for the Patreon. Every week I drop exclusive content on there just for members. And it helps me create this show every week for you guys. Thanks again and see you on the next one.